And with that, we are underway here. Championship Week Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krins. Joining me as always, Travis, how are we doing? We're good. Good. We're good. Good. Uh, that song came blaring on with about four minutes to go with the game well in hand Saturday in Brookings uh, with South Dakota State beating Delaware 33-3. to The stadium erupted because they knew the Jackrabbits are going down to Frisco for the first time ever in program history. And I'm not going to say I've gone full circle here and gone like totally to the other side because you and I both talked after the game against NDSU. And it's like, I just, I don't care as much this year. Like, I, I, I love that they win. I care that they win, but it just doesn't... There's just something different about it in the spring versus the fall. And I don't want to say that I've totally come around to it, but I am getting more excited for the fact that SDSU does have a chance to win their first FCS championship game Sunday against Sam Houston State. Like, it's a huge deal for the football program. Um, It's a big deal for the university. And... I mean, they announced the uh, the attendance at 4,500 on Saturday, but it I, I went down there with Will Rottler, uh, kind of on a on a whim. We had talked about it a little bit, decided on Thursday, and then um, yeah, this was uh, it seemed far more packed than that, uh, but it, the the genuine excitement could be felt in the stadium, which is really cool. So am I am I I'm asking you now. What is your level of excitement for Sunday's championship game? No, I don't. I don't care oh, at all. Any any, <clears throat> any change at all from a month ago? Like I've never really cared about SDSU football. Like I, I just don't care. Like you know, like I've never been upset when they lose. I don't hate North Dakota State. I don't care about SDSU football. I just I just don't. Okay. I just I went to a game once to the press box, see the press box. That was nice. Mm-hmm. I went to another game because mom and mom got tickets somewhere for free, somewhere. Like I I didn't watch the game. I watched what I have a thing on Saturday. So I scored halftime was what it was, and my mobile game was done. And caught a couple minutes of it, and I don't know, I just really not, I don't I just don't care about. SDSU football. Like just, we've always kind of talked about how big, if because truth be told, SDSU is a basketball school. Yeah, it, it, I think it has been for a long time, and it probably always will be. I think we're all, we're kind of waiting for that one win by SDSU in the NCAA tournament, and I've always kind of said like how much more a a win can um, like a like an NCAA tournament win can mean for a university maybe more so than like a, a oh, yes. national championship on the football side. Uh, I'll be curious, though, to see just what 
how many fans are down there in Frisco? The fact that it's a week and not three weeks in between games, I I don't know if that helps or hurts the fan, uh, the the attendance from the fans or the, you know going down to Frisco. It certainly I think helps the the team because it's just a normal like a, a business week essentially. You don't have all the extra flair and excitement, which I mean, you'd like to have see them have a little bit of fun. But they're going down there to win a national championship. Uh, because it's in the spring, I don't know if it's garnered more attention or not. Some people really seem to like FCS football in the spring. I think it's probably better to be played in the fall. But um, I, I will just be curious if they win. i, I got to be hesitant. I'm not going to say when they win, even though I think they're probably the better team than Sam Houston State. But Sam Houston State scares the hell out of me with their offense. I mean, if you watch that game Saturday against James Madison... James Madison was up 27 to 10 midway through the third quarter, or and then four minutes or like seven minutes later, practically, James or the, the, the Sam Houston State's up by 11, 38 to 27. It's like whoa! I mean, you just have that big play, explosive capability. I I think SDSU is the overall better team, but that's going to be very curious to see just how their defense will be able to stop the Sam Houston State offense. With the basketball thing, I mean, obviously it's better to win a basketball game in the tournament than a national championship for FCS. Like, Oral Roberts got a lot of attention for winning a couple games. Mm-hmm. I guess CSU's not going to get close to that if they win this game. Right. Yep, I would like, agree with that. Yeah, like, Oral Roberts is one of the stories of the tournament, and they won two games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is, you know, FCS football and what the ratings were for probably a million people watch the game or so. So, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like when we grew up, like, did, I don't, did, did you care about, I don't know, Delaware or whoever was good? No. In one double A when we grew up, you'd see these games, and I'm like, all right, I don't care about this. Right. Like, who could possibly care about this? And nobody does. So, mm-hmm. um, if this goes towards getting their name right and their logos right, that'd be nice, but, Good, good for the coach, good for the players, mm-hmm. good for everybody else. And this goes back to the thing I mentioned during the state basketball tournament about, you know, the, the respect and the, the coach and the player mm-hmm. handshake and after the game, and now people would go nuts in the media over that. Something happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And I saw some tweets there on uh, Saturday about, oh, good for Tyler Merriam and good for this person, good for this person. Like what? 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 They're they're the broadcaster. They're the announcer. What? Who gives a shit? Like they're not a part of the team. They call the game. They cover the team. Mm-hmm. Like it's like that. I think it's just so weird. It's like if it's the like, Twins win a World Series, are they gonna say, "Oh, good for Dick Bramer"? It's like what? Like what? Yeah, whatever. I don't understand. I do. Like, oh, I go. They get to go to the national championship. That's fine. Call a national title game. Great. But it's just so weird I, to do that. I do. I, I do recall hearing after um, Jim Donovan is the radio voice of the Cleveland Browns, and mm-hmm. here is I remember hearing his call uh, this last year, the Week 17 game against Pittsburgh. You know, you could just hear it in his voice, the emotion, like yes, after so many years, I'm being, I'm like finally able to, again to to call a. Cleveland Browns playoff game and people were overjoyed for him to be able to have that opportunity and then of course Cleveland beats the snot out of Pittsburgh and then they play Cleveland so he got a a little bit of a run there but people were happy for him just because of all of the 
mm-hmm. all of the Crappy all of the crap that the Cleveland Browns have gone through, and I don't think that's necessarily the case here for like for for Tyler Merriam or for or for many other you know play by play guys, whether that be radio or TV for their teams, but you know guys who have called you know their respective teams for so long that have had to go through so much turmoil and heartbreak, I could see that. I don't necessarily, I, I think it's a case-by-case basis. It's not a one-size-shoe-fits-all. I guess the Vikings win one and Paul Allen calls it. Yeah, good for him. He's been doing it for a long time. He's mm-hmm. been doing it for 20 years. Good for him to call the Super Bowl. There's uh, a guy here in Mitchell. His name is Tim Smith. He's been here for almost 50 years, and he retired a week or two ago after, what, 48 years here in Mitchell, and he's done all the Mitchell games and done thousands and thousands of games. And uh, I saw some Facebook or Twitter posts. He was like a while ago. He posted something about, you know, Mitchell, they made the state tournament for the first time in nine years, the Mitchell boys, mm-hmm. and good for them. So they're good now instead of being so terrible. And somebody posted on his picture, oh, you were you were a big part of that. Mitchell basketball is back, and you were a big part of that. Like, what are you talking about? He has nothing to do with how good right. they are. Right. Like, he calls the games. You, should, you can, can be enjoy happy that he's going like, to state. What does a, a broadcaster or anybody, you're a big part of that. Well, he's, he's, the part of it is he does the play-by-play and you listen to it on the radio mm-hmm. and, you, and you like it or you don't. Like, what the hell does he have to do with, yeah, Mitchell's basketball's back and you're a big part of why they're back. Like, he's, there's no, no, there's, you can be he happy. really has nothing to do with anything with their success. That's like announcer jinxes that there's a no-hitter. Oh, don't mention it. Mention it, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I have no control over the outcome of this game. I have oh. no control of what is going on. Oh, I think there is an announcer's jinx out there. Don't uh, The way won't get started on that. But I do agree with you to that point. Like, yes, you could be happy that he gets to call Mitchell basketball in the playoffs after, you know, a long nine years or, you know, in the state tournament. But, I mean, he's not responsible for the no, like, he's the, they go 3-26 and 26 or whatever. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> Like, uh, I would do the Mitchell games, and the guy who used to work here, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like whenever I would do the game, they would play well, and whenever he would play do the game, they wouldn't play well. Like, it doesn't matter if I call the game or he calls the game. They're going to they're gonna do good or bad regardless of who is announcing the game. But it's so weird, stuff like that. So, uh, anyway, but, but good for us, TC. Good for Steve. Yeah. Everybody's happy for the coach. Yep. Because... We know him a little bit, and we do. He talk, did a, he talk did to him about once, once or twice a year, and I think he remembers who I am. And it's good that he is there because he's what twenty-four years as head coach, and he's been there when he went to school there, and he was there an assistant long before that. So he's been there for almost you know, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. and he's a bit different than your normal football coach. And yep. he's going to stay. He's already sixty-four years old, and. This will be the only head coaching job he'll ever have, and he's not going anywhere. Right. Um, it's like Aaron Johnson. He stayed. That's why I was so surprised when Scott Nagy left. It's like nobody leaves this place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hope they win it for him because they've had some really good teams. Yes. And you know what? He's head coach, and he's a part of the team, and he actually is involved in the success or non-success of the yeah. team and since you, he's the head coach. And you want them to win it for him because he is such a good guy and such a good part yeah. of the the community, um, and they've had, and they've had. I only mentioned this probably during the game, but they've had apparently zero COVID tests 
this entire way. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, we saw North Dakota State and USD just go weeks without playing mm-hmm. because of their own testing. Uh, we saw SDSU go weeks without playing because of the other team. So. I don't like, I mean, and we knew this was coming, but the to try and delegitimize SDSU's run uh, to the championship by Bison fans, like, oh, you know, like, oh, they didn't play a full season. They didn't have to play uh, us. They didn't have to play James Madison and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, because like they played us to once and they beat them. Yeah, yep. That's so, why they didn't have to play us. That's why they got the one seed. In Fargo. That's why North almost. Dakota State was on the other side of the bracket, and North Dakota State wasn't good enough to beat uh, Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. So. Sure weren't. Um, so, I I do think that, and then I see, you know, like Dom Izzo from my favorite guy from WDAY has. Oh to, yeah, he's he's a he's real quality as well. Yeah, you know, tweets out. Oh, like I don't know how how so many terrible media people like him <laughs> well, like I, make it or in positions of you know prominence. It's like you're not any good at what you do. I oh, I wonder what. Uh, you know, Zach Zenner, Jake Wenicky, Dallas Goddard, Austin Sumner are thinking. They were part of great, you know, today. They're part of great teams. And Austin Sumner with a great, like, I'm happy as hell. Because, yes, they did lay the foundation, the building blocks, for for SDSU to be able to get to this point. Like, yes, maybe this is not the most star, uh, you know, studded team that we've seen in years past. Like, you know, Zenner and Jake Wenicky and Dallas Goddard. You know, Wenicky and Goddard were on the same team. But, um... You know, this is arguably probably the deepest team. They've all, you know, Stig and, and you know, has mentioned that this is probably the best offensive line in, in the in the Stig era. Uh, you know, the 605 Hogs doing work. The defense playing really well. There's, they're very deep. I mean, you can, when you can go from Pierre Strong at running back to Isaiah Davis and not miss mm-hmm. a beat, like that tells you a little something about not only the, the play along the offensive line, but also... The, the the players that you have in your system and the recruiting that you've done. And I think that this is something that they are going to be able to sustain now. Uh, like, And maybe we'll see what the FCS, if they win the FCS championship or not, or regardless, like what this does for recruiting. Because they're already recruiting at a high level. Does this elevate that recruiting to a degree? So we, we talk about what a championship would do for South Dakota State. It's going to do far more, obviously, for the football team and being able to now that you've reached this mountaintop and you're almost there you're almost to the peak uh, which would be winning the championship but now that you're there that you got that one seed now that you're going to Frisco for the first time how do you sustain that level of success I think that they can do it because I don't I mean NDSU is certainly going to bounce back but I don't know if they're going to be that undefeated formidable force that we've seen from them you know for over the last decade this SDSU team, because you know you'll get a lot of guys back next year or in in the fall. This is something that I think that they can continue to to build on and sustain. Not necessarily that the road always has to go through Brookings to go to Frisco, but they are going to be right up there, uh, top two, top three, top four seeds for a while here now going forward. Whatever happens, it's going to benefit North Dakota State recruiting the most. As oh yes. you know. Yes, we know that. <laughs> How did that even start? I don't even remember anymore. I don't. <laughs> it was always. I don't know. It was, they were always just uh, talking about. Oh, NDSU has got this guy. Oh, like this is. Uh, look at how great NDSU. And then we're like, well, everything pretty much helps NDSU recruiting. So I think that's how it it started way back when. I would say NDSU is the best team. They're probably in the FCS out to win a national title. I haven't been around a long time. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, James Madison and Sam Houston State and all these other teams have their national titles. Mm-hmm. Let's say they're the best team not to win one. And like they've been good for... They've been an elite team, I would say, for the last five years or so. Yep. They've made the playoffs for nine years in a row, and making the playoffs was a big deal, and now it's expected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've been you know, a, t- a top four seed before. They made the semifinals a couple of years ago, losing to James Madison, and that was as good as they've done. But they've it's been about a good five years where they've been a, a consistent top five team mm-hmm. in the nation. And if you didn't yeah. have to go against NDSU every year, who yeah. I mean, who knows? Well, like if they if they maybe would have won a national championship, before, you know, previously or gotten to Frisco before. I mean, this is it's been it, it's it's not a shame to lose to NDSU. NDSU is the the um, is the pinnacle, or the, I mean, they are the image of what you want your uh, football team to embody. I mean, they're the they're the standard. They've won so many national championships in a row that, I mean, it's not a terrible thing to say, like, oh, we lost to NDSU. Well, look how great they are. Like, if you lose to, like, Holy Cross or, or Monmouth or, you know, or other teams like that, you're like, okay, like, what the hell happened here? It's not a bad thing to lose to NDSU, but now that you've gotten past that, now that you've gotten by Big Brother, at least for temporarily this year, it's like, okay, let's be able to sustain this a little bit here. Like, we're the new kings on the block now. But again, yet they have to finish the deal against Sam Houston State. And it's not like they always lose to North Dakota State. They beat them every once in a while. It's not like they've lost 10, 12 games in a row. They're the team that beats them most consistently, or on a consistent basis. They just never did it in the playoffs. They did it this year. They did it a couple of years ago. They just never do it in the playoffs. And regardless of what happens this weekend... I'm sure there will be a time where they will meet in the playoffs again, mm-hmm. and it will be a big deal if SDSU can finally win that game. Mm-hmm. So, even if they win the uh, win the national title, there's going to be some questions. You know, how are they against North Dakota State in the playoffs? And uh, will be a chance for there's there's more to uh, to play for. Even if you win a national title, you know, you have the greatest dynasty in that division of football that's ever seen, mm-hmm. and they're your rival. They're in your conference, so you're gonna play them every year. So there's gonna be plenty of plenty of big games uh, for those two teams. And I've been thinking about like the the delegitimizing this championship, regardless of who wins it, Sam Houston State or South Dakota State. Be like, well, I mean, it wasn't a normal year and whatnot. And I'm starting to come around to the fact that, like, hey, you know what? Everyone had to deal with the same level of adversity, and some teams just handled it better. <laughs> Case in point with SDSU, no. Positive COVID uh, tests, at least to our knowledge, like right now. So I mean, that's that's great. Like they've been able to take uh, f- full advantage. Like they they embraced the situation, and other teams maybe didn't embrace it quite as well. Like a, a la North Dakota State or a Youngstown State or you know Western Illinois, other teams like that. And give SDSU credit for handling their business and and going about this the right way for this spring season. Yeah, because those other teams, they missed uh, plenty of games because of their own problems. Mm-hmm. Like we said, SDSU didn't miss didn't miss any. So yep. it kind of shows you, I mean, shows you the leadership a little bit, I think. I agree. I agree. If you're look, looking at this game, I think right now, at last I saw, the, the Vegas Lions, SDSU is favored by four. That's reasonable. Yep. You're the top seed. You probably should get the, 
those points there. I don't know how much of an advantage it is that Sam Houston State it doesn't have nearly as far to travel uh, as SDSU does. Uh, it's going to be you know not at full capacity the 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 stadium, so that may help matters a little bit for SDSU. But if you're looking at like Sam Houston State's offense, very explosive. I I'm a little concerned with the SDSU secondary. But Sam Houston State's defense doesn't concern me all that much, especially with the way the 605 Hogs have been playing. You get a, you have a strong running game, and no pun intended there, with Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis, Gronowski, you know, him, you know, being the mobile quarterback he is and having those quarterback options there. I, don't, I think SDSU, I'm, I'm not concerned about their offense being able to move the ball and score points against Sam Houston State, more so, more or less, them stopping Sam Houston State. So, I mean... That not to sound cliche and go all John Madden here on us, but that's the that's the key for me is just how much is can SDSU stop Sam Houston State and keep them out of the end zone uh, while they're putting up the points. Yeah, I mean they uh, their offenses look really really good. So I mean the quarterback Gronowski, like, it doesn't seem like he's seen him play. Like he doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't seem like. Mm-mm. He's very efficient. He runs. He doesn't put up 300 yards of game passing, but he just doesn't make mistakes. And we were talking like, Javori Gibbs is pretty good, you know, and he's probably done. So they got Gronowski, and like, well, he's a, a, a actual freshman, a true freshman, and like, they know more than I do. And like, well, they're going to start him? This is a team that's got, you know, national title type, type expectations, and you're going to start a freshman quarterback? And he's done... He's done extremely well for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they can just get a couple stops. Like, you know, Sam Houston State, well, they had three points at halftime. So, yep. they do have an explosive offense where they also showed that they can go a stretch without uh, outscoring all that much. So, And that was my, one of my concerns with, you know, playing James Madison is their defense. I mean, can SDSU's – I think SDSU's defense would be able to contain JMU's offense, but – that JMU defense is yeah. really, really good. I do want to give a shout-out to Marshall's own Reese Winkleman, who had a dominant game against Delaware. Two sacks, at least. Uh, he was all over in the backfield, hearing that poor uh, Delaware quarterback. I mean, Delaware's offensive line just got beat time and time again. Uh, it's, it must have been very discouraging just always having, you know, to be pushed five, six yards back back in the backfield and getting your quarterback sacked or having your quarterback run for his life. So, Reese Winkleman from Marshall, 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 Minnesota. A shout-out to you. Uh, very good there. Uh, we'll hope that SDSU can pull off this win here. Uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm not even going to go with a thought in on it because it I, – I just I'm, – I'm looking forward to the game Saturday – or Sunday – 1 o'clock Central Time on ABC, and hopefully, just hopefully, um, the the Jackrabbits can get the win here. 24-20 is what I got. I think it's going to be much more high scoring than that. 34-20. We will see. I'll see you at 1 o'clock Sunday. You know, I'll probably tune in for a little bit. We'll see. And it's... It's great for, for us, I mean, being alums of the school, too. I mean, that's that gives a little, at least for me, a little a little pride and stuff that, hey, you know, my alma mater finally won a national championship here. And plus, it could maybe shut up the Bison fans just for a little bit 
here, if, even though they'll come back again with all the, you know, trying to delegitimize the championship and whatnot. But, you know, being an alum, I think it's it's one thing to be a fan, but also then to be an alum of the team as well. Mm-hmm. That I think that that adds a layer to it that you just want them to win that much more. And this was a team in Division Two, like they were not that good. Mm-hmm. They would go, they would go six and five. They would go five and six. They would maybe go seven and four. They were just kind of a middle of the road team. And all of a sudden, they went. You know, they, they jumped up a level and they somehow got better. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that probably couldn't happen, and it happened pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like they. they they got dramatically better very fast, so yep. that was good to see. Because everybody was worried when, you know, almost 20 years ago now, oh, we're going to go to Division One. Fuck, we're not going to be able to compete at all. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to get drug in our door. We're not that good in Division Two. How the hell are we going to compete at, a, at another level up? But, you know, they have been. Got a new stadium. Been, been yep, got a new stadium now that... Uh, Okay, it's just—it's kind like, of funny. You, know, you had to build the stadium kind of around the the Dana Dykehouse Student Center, but you have that big, you know, Sanford uh, complex in the background, the indoor training center and stuff. I mean, this is—it—it's a very nice stadium, very nice area. Um, so SDSU certainly has some of the better athletic facilities in the country, regardless of the level. And you know, they've been good for a while, and. You know, they don't need to do anything with their facilities because they've got everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that is also helped with recruiting. See what they've got? Well, I guess we would like to practice inside. Yep. It's amazing that they were good, as good as they were when they didn't have all that stuff, when they still had outdoor practice fields. Yep. And everything else. And they were probably uh, a bit behind everybody else. So now mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're, they've exceeded everybody. Uh, with, with the facilities. They have. So good luck to the Jacks again. 1 p.m. Central Time Sunday, ABC. Frisco against Sam Houston State. It's the top two seeds. So, again, it's a, it, it's great to see that you do have you know the top two teams or you know two of the top three teams playing in Frisco to kind of say, like, okay, yeah, this isn't you know just some fluke. Like, these teams earned it and got their way here. Uh, and there usually isn't many upsets in the FCS playoffs. Not normally, no. It's usually one of the top two or three or four seats. Well, Weber State lost to Southern Illinois. That helped. Uh, and also, Jacksonville State got upset by Delaware. And then Delaware ran yeah. their mouth and said, Oh, the CAA is the best conference, way better than the Missouri Valley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you went 0 2. So I shut the hell up. Yeah. Uh, not good. Well, yeah, usually, usually, it's kind of like the NBA playoffs. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the top couple teams are probably going to be there. Most of the time. Speaking of recruiting, uh, just on, so another note on the on the college sports landscape. Uh, sure, you saw this last week, but Hartford. Remember Hartford? You know they want they made oh, yes. it to the NCAA tournament for the first time ever in school history. They got beat by uh, Baylor, who you know ended up being the national champions on the men's side. They announced that they are going from D one to D three. Transitioning will uh, take place by 2025, uh, which is you know three and a half years or so here. That uh, stunned me a little bit. I mean, this isn't a, like a centenary situation here or Chicago State, who I think should do the exact same thing here. I mean, this is a, a legitimate school, legitimate program 
and stuff. And for them to, on the heels of an NCAA tournament appearance, say, like, yeah, we're going to D3. It's like, wait, what the hell? What's going on here? I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird, very surprising, I guess. Well, you just look at all of those northeast schools and they don't have football teams. They just play basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all nameless schools. They're all interchangeable. Not Vermont. Don't you, don't you take apart my catamounts. Yeah. Like, all those teams where, or like, where, where, you know, where's this team actually from? St. Francis of New York. Mm-hmm. All these teams up there, like, you're not quite sure what state they're from up there from like the American East and all those teams so yep. yeah I don't know budget issues or whatever they seems said, very odd I think they did a commission or something that looked and they could save like 9.2 million dollars or something just by my making this I don't know if that's 9.2 million a year or just 9.2 million over the span of a, a few years and stuff but they're gonna by dropping from D1 to D3 they're gonna save a lot of money like sports don't make money for the most part. Outside of you know, the big schools, I mean, there's hundreds, if not a thousand other schools out there that aren't Texas and Alabama and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They just don't make money. So. It's just very surprising on the heels of the NCAA tournament and the, the making their first NCAA tournament appearance ever that that the announcement oh. would be made. It's just a little Interesting timing. And again, I'm interested to see what SDSU football would have made this year or did, did, did make. Mm-hmm. Because I'm talking about last week that they didn't have a ton of road games, and when when the hell was the last time they've been on the road? They've been on road maybe once in two months. Uh, NDSU would have been the yeah. road game because um, they were they, they went a month without playing, mm-hmm. and they've been at home here for the past three weeks with playoff games. So travel was not a huge issue. They were on the road the first in two so. weeks against. Um, Against you and I, uh, yeah, you and I. Yes, they played so us. They played you. They played us. Yeah. We were two people. <laughs> they had like seventy guys on the team. We did not do better. They played Northern Iowa. They played North Dakota. I think they had to go to Southern Illinois, and that's where they beat them forty-four to three. So I think they had they they had four road games in the regular season to only two or three home games. Does that sound? Like right? they did, yeah, they didn't play much at home, but they were at home a lot. Well, they didn't yeah, play for a month. Exactly, and then you get the the road to the yeah. play road to Frisco going through Brookings, which it always goes through Brookings if NDSU is going there. So like like let's let's yeah. not be real. Uh, let's let's not be cute about this now. The road to Frisco always goes through Brookings if the Bison have to go to to Frisco. So you want to be assholes and go around town? They can, but might not I mean be, might be a little bit of a delay. Uh, getting there, but yeah, if you want to hit up, uh, like go through Volga and stuff, fine, you. White, white, yeah, exactly. You know, come out by uh, by uh, what uh, Flandreau? Sure, sure. Go, go for it. Yeah. Go nuts, go nuts. So, there's that. Uh, let's let's go to the baseball here. We got uh, big news last week: two no hitters, giving us four now on the year. We had uh, Baltimore uh, through one, and then a uh, uh, Millie for. For Cincinnati, through one, um, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting. Is it was it mean that that uh, that threw the the no hitter for Baltimore? The name is sketchy. It's pretty, it starts with an M, right? John Means. Yeah. Okay. Baltimore. Right. It was right. There we go. Wade Miley, Cincinnati. Yep. Um, 
So it, it, great for them that they get no hitters. Uh, I think both were on the road. Cincinnati was at Cleveland, and Baltimore was yep. at Seattle. Uh, Seattle's been no hit a few times now. Seattle or uh, Cleveland's been hit, no hit a couple times. Yeah. So the uh, Chicago pitcher. I uh, yeah. I gotta. So I just gotta ask now. I mean, because we already have four no hitters, and we are a month and a half into the season. Is it because are we seeing more no hitters because teams or like or players are constantly trying to swing for the fences? They're not doing as much like just poking a ball out here into left and stuff. Like, is this something that's going to keep happening? That we're going to see more and more no hitters? Are we going to? Is it going to delegitimize the no hitter? Um, what, what are we seeing here? Because that was something that just that I thought of. Like, you know, why are we seeing more of these no hitters come up now lately? Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Like, I think, I think 232 is the batting average across baseball, the average, which is slightly lower than, I think it's usually now 237, 238. I'm talking to 232, when you think about that, the average hitter. And you've had some teams like the Cubs had just a horrendous offensive start. Mm-hmm. You got teams like Detroit. You look at Detroit's offensive numbers. I think they're hitting under 200 as a team. It's just very bad. Uh, the Yankees who have struggled. Um, somebody posted today the Yankees are hitting like 232, and their on base percentage is like 320, and their slugging percentage is whatever. Which normally would be below average, but this year it's slightly above average. So. It's, I'd say it's all that stuff. Strikeouts, home runs, bullpen guys throwing 100. Like on that same day that Wade Miley threw his no-hitter, Sean Manai of Oakland had a no-hitter in the seventh inning. Against Tampa, like, right? As that was going on. So yeah. you click from one no-hitter to another no-hitter. Mm-hmm. And he finally ended up giving up a couple of hits and a couple of runs. And uh, Bumgarner had his seven-inning no-hitter there a couple of weeks ago. Against the Braves, which doesn't count, <laughs> and who knows if if uh, they would have completed that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it was what Jose Brios and Corbin Burns the first weekend of the season had. I think they both went into the sixth inning with no hits or maybe one hit. So there's been a lot of no hitters, and there's been a lot of near no close hitters. no hitters. Yep. I mean it's it's ridiculous for the first week of the season. So is this? Yeah. I think it's going to continue. I think we're going to get probably at least a couple more, you would think. I don't think it's going to be none. Right. Things are going. I think there's going to be at least a couple more. I would agree. I would agree with that. And I just wonder, you know, with all these, you know, is this is this how baseball is going to be here going forward? With everyone, you know, you know, with the strikeout rates higher, with the home runs higher, like everyone's just trying to go for the fence, or are we eventually going to go back here? Now, where you see more singles and double, like just get a ball into play here and just try and move some runners over and stuff. Or, like, I'm not saying that's in the very near future, like in the next year or two, but, you know, let's say we're looking five, ten years down the line. Is is this, is the baseball that we're seeing now the same baseball that's going to be played in five to ten years? Or are we going to go back to maybe how it used to be, maybe, what, you know, another five, ten years ago? I look at football and, you know, what was it? It was like 2011 or something. Like there were 
so many guys like right around or over 5,000 yards when there have maybe been a couple guys over 5,000 yards. And I don't know what happened with football, but things seem to have calmed down a bit. Mm-hmm. You don't have guys throwing for 5,000 yards anymore or throwing 50 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Seem like things calm down a bit for whatever reason. Rule changes or who knows what. You know, with the NBA, like the NBA, the three-point shot's got to, at some point, plateau and level off here because it can't continue to go up. So, I mean, points. I, I remember I did a blog post probably close to 10 years now about – where are the points in basketball? What happened to the points? We used to score points in the 80s and early 90s, and now we don't. And then now, since then, it's been a ridiculous amount of points mm-hmm. that have been scored. So I would say similar to that, we're going to see something in baseball, you know, whether it's stolen bases or, you know. Bunts. Bunts. I mean, the extra inning rule that we hate, yep. I, I don't like it, but it does provide for some excitement. Because you know something's going to happen, and you know probably somebody's going to score in this inning. Well, certainly not the Twins. We know the Twins aren't going to win an extra inning game. No, they they lost another one. They're 0-7. So Uh, there was a Braves-Phillies game the other night. They scored seven combined runs in the 11th. There was a a Brewers-Dodgers last week scored a bunch of runs in extra innings. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting to watch if you're not watching the Twins because you got that runner on second, and Probably going to score, probably more times than I. I'd like to see at the end of the season, I know, uh, how often did that runner score? How many runs were scored in the 10th, 11th? How many games went past the 10th or 11th inning? See what happens. So, add some excitement, but it's still a yeah, rule that I don't like. But it's, it's got to stop at some point. You know, they, I guess, what they deaden the ball a little bit after Major League Baseball denied that they kind of souped up the ball a little bit there a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I guess they admitted this time that, yeah, we're, we've deadened the ball a little bit. So maybe that has something to do with it, I guess. Speaking, they, of, speaking of admitting something, did you see that um, Medina Spirit uh, tested positive for a drug at, from the Kentucky, oh, no. Kentucky Derby winner? Bob Baffert, their trainer, says, no, I didn't – I didn't know anything about this. Don't have anything to do with it. Like, come on, is horse racing? Oh, that's bad. It's just a bad, bad look, especially for a trainer like him. So that's not good. Um, it just made me think, you know, like, you know, oh, I didn't have nothing to do with this. It's like baseball doctoring up the baseball that, to, to, you know, because chicks dig the long ball, they say. Well, it, it kind of wrecks the game to a certain extent. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with the horse. And uh, we'll see what happens with the baseball here. Pretty sure the Preakness is this week, but now with this uh, cloud hanging over Medina Spirit, or Medina Spirit, it's uh, interesting there. How long are the Twins going to go with Rocco Baldelli? He's not getting fired. I'd be fine with it, but he's not. You know, maybe next year if this keeps up, but, I mean, he's not. I don't think he's going anywhere. they got to do something with the bullpen, though. They have to. and I mean, they, they can't get any hits, and now... You know, Buxton's out. Uh, it was nice to see Donaldson drive in all three runs on Saturday, but, I mean, Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Not a fan. Um, game the other day, when was it? They got rained out yesterday. They didn't play today. Go back to Saturday. Mm-hmm. They lost 7-3. to three. It's, a th- it's a 3-2 to game. Uh, they brought in somebody who didn't do well. 
Duffy, so I think. Duffy, yeah, Duffy has had a horrible season. I think Colin May, Colin May's turned it around, so hopefully his, he's a lot better. He can't be any worse. So if Colin May can, you know, get back to what he was, that's that's better. And then Taylor Rogers has been their best guy so far. But it's it's they're down three to two. It's seventh inning. Game's not over with. It's three to two. I think there's one out. Detroit has the bases loaded. They're playing the worst team in baseball, the worst offense in baseball, and mm-hmm. you know your double play strikeout pop up from getting out of the inning down one. So who does Rocco Baldelli bring into this ballgame? The the guy they they just called up from the minors, right? They called up Derek Law. He was with the Giants a couple years ago, had a good rookie season, hasn't done much in the three, four years since. Another guy that I, that I don't know why he would be on the team. I don't know why you would want him on your team at any level. Mm-hmm. So a 3-2 game, bases loaded, one out, seventh inning. You bring this guy in. And he does not pitch well, and it's 7-3. to three. Like, 7 to 2. 7 to 2. So there's a guy on the bullpen who I think is pretty good. His name is uh, Jorge Alcala. He was up last year pretty good, and he's been pretty good this year. And I haven't put him in a ton of important situations when they have. He's done well. Mm-hmm. And he pitched. Guess how many, you know, this guy that I kind of like, and with everybody struggling, you know, he kind of moved Calamea out of there. You moved uh, Tyler Duffy out of your 7th, 8th inning mix. Mm-hmm. So you're like, all right, next guy up, we'll give this guy a shot, and he's done He's done fine. How many innings do you think he pitched last week? Second? Uh, two? An inning in the third. Mm. Jorge Alcala, he is 25 years old. Numbers on the year, he has a 2.92 ERA. It's good. He's pitched 12 innings, give up four runs. He has 12 strikeouts. So a strikeout per inning, yep. you know, a lot better than Duffy and Colin may have been, and a whole lot better than Derek Law would have been. What? And I, I don't know why, why would you have put, and they're both right-handers, I have no idea why you would have put in Derek Law instead of this guy who would pitch twice all week. I, for me, that's a ridiculously stupid decision, and it ended up not working out. And then, what was the extra inning game? Who the they play? They lost an extra innings to Texas. Rangers. They lost yep. what? Yep. Three out of four to Texas, I believe. Yes, they did. And they play Texas and goes to the 10th inning. You're tied. Who do you bring into the ball game stacking? Uh, not your closer or not anyone good. Brandon Waddell. Ah. <laughs> you bring in Brandon Waddell into this game. He's a left-handed pitcher who they claimed in the offseason. Again, another guy. He provides no value to your team. You're a worse team with him on it. Do you know where Brandon Waddell is now after losing that game the other day to the uh, Texas Rangers? Triple-A. No. On assignment. He is with the Baltimore Orioles because the Twins released him, essentially designated him for assignment. And the Orioles picked him off, off waivers. All right. I... <laughs> like, like, why would you put him into the game? And again, my guy, Jorge Alcala, was not in the game. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're, you're waving the white flag. I know you're not trying to lose the game, but the moves you're making seem like they are. 
seems like every fucking time I watch a game, and they're they're down by a run, and it's the sixth inning. Who do they bring into the game? Cody Stasek. Like, God damn it. He's got an ERA 9-10 on the season. They send him down to AAA. Because so, you can't have an ERA of 9 or 10. So it seems like he's do better with these moves. Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask is that, I mean, A, it seems like certainly the bullpen has not been performing uh, yeah. or pitching as well as they did last year. I mean, that's just a, a, a cold, hard fact. That's, a, that's the reality here. But the moves that he makes, that Baldelli makes, are these analytical? That's why I asked it, at, like, I think earlier in the season, like, are these moves analytical? Or this was maybe even back to last year, last October. Are they analytical? Does, just, does he not understand? Like, they got to fix the bullpen, but you got to fix the decision-making, too. I mean, this is atrocious. And again, uh, Marcus asked the question, when was this rock with Baldelli, or is this the front office? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, during the game, he's got the decisions, and he brought in Brandon Waddell because it was—he's a lefty, and it was a lefty-lefty matchup. So he had a couple of those. But I'm not real goddamn concerned about the lefty-lefty matchups if the guy you're bringing in sucks, <laughs> and the Sore Alcala can touch a hundred, and he's got like a 91 mile per hour slider. I'm getting what the fuck you used to swing a bat with. Then maybe Faldi needs to go. Or, you know, the the front office needs to get a little better direction. It's like, I understand the lefty-lefty thing, but when your lefty's no good, maybe go with the guy that throws 100 miles per hour that you use twice. Just maybe. Last week. So, I don't know. So, the decision-making has been very bad. And this is like just during the game. This isn't after the fact. We're like, oh, of course, you know, let's see. Oh, the guy that gave up three runs, why'd you put him in? I was like, at the time. Like, why the fuck would you put him in at the time? It's ridiculous. And if you put guys out there like Alex Colomay, and you expect him to perform like he has most of his career, Mm -hmm. like he did last year when his ERA was like .5, and you put him out there early on in the year and he doesn't perform, like, well, shit. And then you put him out there continuously, like, all right, don't put him out there because he doesn't have it right now. You put out Taylor Rogers. he does well. He's given up a couple runs and a couple leads here lately. Mm-hmm. But if you bring him in and he does well and he gives up a couple runs, you're like, you know what? Lose with your best guys. That's yeah. what I always say. If you're going to lose, lose with your best guys out there. Don't lose because you're putting in Cody Stashek and you're putting in Brandon Waddell, who's with the Orioles now, and you're putting in Derek Law, who's not going to be on the team in a month. I can guarantee you that. Be better. That's why I wonder if Baldelli is going to get fired. And certainly, they got it. In the offseason, they have to make the bullpen a priority. A- absolutely have to. You can't stand pat and do nothing. I mean, that's the definition of insanity. They also do Romo. Who the last check has not done well for Oakland. He's 38 years old, I think. They lost Tyler Clippard. He was also good. And he has not pitched this year for, I think he's with Arizona or somebody. He's been hurt. So even if you resign those guys, that's not good. They'll let Trevor May go. He's been pitching well for the Mets. So, but they went with Tyler Duffy. Again, you would expect him to be good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Maybe not as good as last year, but still above average. I would expect a guy who got paid $9.25 million a year and Randy Dobnik to still be like on the sure. current club. 
Yeah, you would expect Alex Colomay to have done better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Rogers struggled last year. He has done better this year, so mm-hmm. that was good to see. Uh, Caleb Fieldbar has been one of their best pitchers. That has been good to see. Mm-hmm. And Jorge Alcala has been fine. His ERA is under three. Why you give Randy Dobnak a damn near $10 million deal for five years, I don't know. Like, at best, he's a f- number five starter. They were using him as a mop-up guy in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Why are you paying him a million or two a year when you could get off paying him a half million a year? I don't know. They see something in him. If he, in fact, if he's an important part of your future, that's not good. You should have at least three or four pitchers on the roster in the starting rotation better mm-hmm. than Randy Dobnak. He yeah. should be a number five starter fill-in bullpen guy. So, and then like we said last week, I wasn't so much concerned with Buxton not producing. He was obviously going to not hit 450 the rest of the year, but I am concerned about him getting hurt. And what happened, he got hurt again. So, mm-hmm. and you have to give him a contract this offseason because after next year he becomes a free agent. And I don't know what you do with him. You give him $150 million, I don't know. Because when he plays like this, he's great, but he's always going to get hurt. Yep. So I would be, you know, I've always been an advocate of trading him. He's playing the best he's ever had. I can't imagine his trade value will be any higher than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And if he goes somewhere and wins an MVP, so be it. Because I don't think he's ever going to be healthy. Well, I don't you... know if he's, if he's just too fast or what it is. Keep because he got a hip, he's got a knee, a hamstring. He might have, if that's a, if he's if he's just too fucking fast. Do you think they could I, put in a like a, a waiver or like a you know a, a, a claim in like the in the contract that says like hey if you get hurt you're not getting a portion of your salary yeah. or something or is that or incentives to where hey if you get to, if you play a hundred games you get an extra couple million something yeah, like that incentives yeah. to say. If you're healthy, if you have 500 plate appearances, you get an extra million dollars or whatever, yeah, that'd be nice. But if I'm his agent, I would say, nope, I'm not signing that because my guy has never been healthy for a single season. So, like, is this guy all of a sudden, all of a sudden he turns it around, which is nice to see. But all of a sudden, is he going to all of a sudden get healthy? Is he going to not miss 60, 70 games a year like he always has Mm -hmm. when he's, what, now coming up on 28 years old? I don't know, maybe, but it's always something with him. It yeah. is always something. It is it, it, just the way it's just the way it's been. Yep, it sure has. Uh, who are your hitter? What's your, who's your hitter and who's your pitcher of the week? We have a list of last week at all. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, let's get it here. Uh, so last week we started this out here. John Means was your pitcher. Oh, what did he do, Stacking? What did he do? Uh, I think he threw a no-hitter. So, threw a uh, goddamn no-hitter. Look at that. Look at you, Nostra, Nostra Travis over here with that. Good for him. Jared Walsh was our hitter. So are we going to go with uh, Wade Miley from Cincinnati this week? Oh, he sucks. He did he's throw a no-hitter. He's, he's old. Okay. What is he? He's been on. He's 34. He's been on the Let's see. Are we talking about Cedric Mullins with Baltimore? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't. Well, we'll go with him <clears throat> and write him down. Cedric Mullins, Baltimore Orioles. Never heard of him before. This season, he's having a good year. Uh, the pitcher. 
Let me take a gander here. Oh, Cedric Mullins was the hitter. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mullins hitter for. I mean, Baltimore's got you know John Means looks really good. Baltimore not terrible. No. So Baltimore's got uh, got some pieces. Mm-hmm. We like to see that. Have we mentioned Trevor Rogers? I don't recall. Let's go with him. Trevor Rogers uh, doing very well with the Miami Marlins. Got an ERA under two, one point eight nine, and the Marlins again not terrible. And they've got some guys. They've got him. They got another pitcher who they might nominate next week. So the Marlins have some folks. Trevor Rogers, go with him. Very good, very good. Uh, any any other baseball news we need to get to or discussion? Jacob Degrom is hurt. He pitched yesterday. He had a what his right lat, his right side was hurt, so they missed a start or they pushed him back, and he went on six innings, gave up like a hit. So he was off. He gave up a hit yesterday in six innings against Arizona. They took him out, and he's on the DL. So he's a runaway Cy Young, but if he's going to miss some time, you know, mm-hmm. you look at some other guys. You know, maybe Clayton Kershaw wins another one. And uh, Albert Pools was released from the Angels. Yep. Uh, David Ortiz did not like that decision, but I mean, Pools is so old. Like, do you let him? What's the best way to handle a guy who's as storied a career and as great of a player as Albert Pools is? What's the best way to do to handle that situation? Des, you know, designate him for assignment. You know, release it. Let him play. The, let him play out the, the, the string here. What? What? What should the Angels have done differently, if anything? Probably released them at the beginning of the season or last year. Like, he has been bad for a long time. He has been the worst player, I would say, in baseball for many seasons, for the past probably two, three seasons. You go back, and he has not played well. He was hitting 198. I mean, what do you do with this? This is an Angels team that... I mean, they, they want to do something here, mm-hmm. and he's just, you know, they got Jared Walsh, the guy I mentioned last week. He's going to be their first baseman now, and he's hitting like 325. Yep. You got Shohei Otani, who might be MVP, and where do you play him? You would like to play him as the DH, since he's pitching every fifth or sixth day. Like, where do you put pools then? If you got Jared Walsh at first, you would also play outfield, but you got Otani at outfield and DH. Both of those guys, much, much better than pools. Pools hit 224 last year. His on-base percentage was 270. Yikes. He's, he's, not, he's not had a on-base percentage much above 306 seasons. He's been very bad. He's made one all-star team with, uh, with the Angels. So this 10-year contract, this did not work out. He finished fifth in the MVP uh, last year with the uh, Cardinals. He got two years in which he received MVP votes both times. He finished 17th. And he somehow made the all-star team one time. So so David Ortiz pretty much just needs to suck it up and just recognize that Pujols was not playing good. Like, what, what do you want him to do? Like, I, I don't just put him on the bench? I'm sure he wants to play. And, you know, like, if I'm the Cardinals, and if you could finagle it, you know, you do a, the one-day contract thing, but actually let him play. And you make a big deal out of it. He goes to St. Louis, he plays a game, and then you, and you send him off and say, all right, we're going to sign you, we're going to play one, uh, one game, and you can go away. Because no, nobody's going to – I can't imagine a team would 
would want him at this point. He had a 40 home run year. One year he drove in 119 runs. Uh, he never batted over 300. Well, Tony La Russa, the White Sox manager, said, yeah, there's no room for him. So. Like there's, no, like with the White Sox, no. There, there should be no room for him anywhere. But at this point, he is not a major league caliber player. So, great career. Hall of Famer, all that. Mm-hmm. What is he? Fifth, six in home runs, 667 home runs. He's like 12th or 13th all time in hits. I think he's two or three hits away from uh, getting another spot on the hits list. But he's been bad for a while. And this is the last year of his deal. And he just got to call it quits because, I mean, he's just, he's it's, it's embarrassing for him at this mm-hmm. point, you know? Yep, absolutely. Like, he does have, I guess, five home runs, but only has uh, 12 other hits and hitting 198. Again, it's embarrassing for him to go out there and, and play the way he's playing right now. And he's 41. A lot of people think that he's probably older than that. He's from the Dominican Republic. So, you know, maybe he's 45 years old. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, his, his 10 years with the Cardinals, that's as good as anybody's done here. In a long time, yep. won MVP three times. So he was—he uh, was very good. And him and you know, Miguel Cabrera, also the best hitter when he was hitting. Mm-hmm. When he was when he was going, Miguel Cabrera was was very good. Yep. And uh, Detroit's got what I think a year or two left on his deal, and you know they're not going anywhere soon. So what do you what do you do with Miguel Cabrera? Uh, kind of like when the with the Twins and Joe Maurer. Maurer was kind of the reason to put butts in the seats there when the Twins were. Still, I mean, Maurer compared to these. I mean, these guys are done. Yeah, I just, like, I'm just Maurer, saying, like, for me, Maurer was kind of surprising because it was all kind of abrupt. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yo, know, this could be his last game, and then he came out as a catcher, and you're like, well, yeah, this is his last game. Yeah. So and that was not, I don't think, expected. No, I, I was just saying, like, for, for years, it, like, you know, the, uh-huh. when the Twins were terrible, the reason why you came to watch the Twins was for Joe Maurer. Yeah. And so with the Tigers, I get that, like, the different stages of the career, but, I mean, Miguel Cabrera is one of the reasons why a Tiger fan would even want to go into Comerica Park these days. And if they're not any good, and if he's not good, you know, you don't want to see him. You don't want to see Willie Mays play with the Mets. Right. You don't want to see, you know, Emmett Smith play with the Cardinals. Yeah. Like, would they have been better off retiring or going to the Cardinals? You know, you just go down the list yep. with with all those. You see Johnny Unitas in a Chargers uniform, for Christ's sake. Yep. Adrian, Sometimes it works out. Adrian Peterson in a Washington uniform, Arizona uniform, Saints uniform. Lines. Where the, yeah. the hell he is these days? So, um, it's, yeah, it's, you know... Michael Jordan came back with the Wizards. He played pretty well because, Christ's sake, he's Michael Jordan. But, mm-hmm. you know, these guys at the end, well, at least he was good. These other guys, they're, they're toast. They're done. Speaking of Michael Jordan and the NBA, NBA's last week of the regular season is upon us. Anything you're interested in before the play-in tournament start next week? I'm interested in the Lakers. See if they're in this play-in tournament. I hope they are because that gives some intrigue to... You know, this whole playing thing, which I think is kind of stupid, mm-hmm. like we talked about last week. But if they're in there, I mean, that there's going to be a lot of interest here's in that. The, here's the Lakers' last four games, though, because it's it, compared to them in the Trailblazers. Right now, Portland's got a one-game lead 
on uh, on the Lakers for the sixth spot, which is the key because seven, eight, nine, and ten are playing in this stupid. Yeah, well, they got four games left, right? Yep, yep. Each team four four games left. So here's here's the Lakers. Uh, they're at home against the Knicks. All right, that's probably not a guaranteed win, but probably a loss. The Knicks are fucking amazing now. Yeah, but the Lakers beat the Suns last night, which is unfathomable. I mean, it just. It, it, the Suns are really good. Then the Lakers play the Rockets. Well, that's a guaranteed win because the Rockets are terrible. Then let's go to, is it Friday? Nope. Uh, must be back-to-back here on uh, they, uh, Sun, or Saturday. They play at Indiana. Well, I think that's a win for them because the Pacers aren't very good. And then Sunday they finish the year up at New Orleans, who likely won't have um, uh, Zion Williamson. So that is... Is a pretty easy four-game stretch here. You should go minimum three and one in that one. Would imagine. I feel like they have to. Yeah, and here's the Trailblazers home to uh, Houston. Okay, that's a win. So we're looking at one and all right there. Uh, then we go to uh, Wednesday. They're at Utah. Well, that's a significant challenge right there. Then they're at Phoenix the very next night on Thursday. Uh-huh. So. That's pretty difficult, and then they wrap up the season. What would it be? Is it going to be Friday or or Saturday or Sunday? It's uh, going to be Sunday Sunday against Denver. Yep, so, I mean, if we're looking at this here, that win by the Lakers against Phoenix is huge for them because instead of being down two games with their schedule, again, three and one seems like easily doable, if not four and oh. I mean, look, I mean, the Trailblazers could go one and three right here. I mean, that's that's a difficult three games to end the season with. Will the Suns or the Jazz have anything to play for? Will Denver have anything to play for? Oh, Portland will. I know Portland probably will. Right. Denver may not. These teams may rest their guys. Yep. So that's a factor. Yep. I mean, the Lakers lost to the Raptors last week. They lost to the Kings. They lost to Washington. So... Um, I guess LeBron's coming back because it's playoff time. I guess LeBron is going to play against the against the Knicks. So we'll see what happens there. But I guess I would be a lot more interested in this playing thing if it's the Lakers. Would you not be? I, I wouldn't. Not one way or the other. I mean, I'll keep tabs on it. The possibility that the, well, that the Lakers could not make the actual playoffs—that would be awesome. It really would. I mean, that's what. They, I mean, if they're making if they're making it as a six seed, you know, they're. And if they make it as a sixth seed, they're going to probably play the Clippers in the first round. Yeah, that would be must-watch television. The Clippers and the Lakers not advancing past the first round. Sign me up for that. Yes. So well, I, I don't. So I don't quite know the format of this. So let's say they the Lakers are the seventh seed. They play the Spurs. Yes. Or best out of three. Or yeah, but they get both of the play-in series are going to be best two out of three. Okay, so, and you've got, uh, what, Golden State and Memphis. They're going to play each other, so that should be all right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would I mean, if the Lakers are in this playing thing, that's uh, that's much, much better. And then, then the Pelicans are only a game and a half behind the Spurs, so they're still mathematically alive in that deal. Right, but with no Zion, that's the... Uh... That means out. That, that's, that's the tough one there. Uh, just for comparison's sake, I mean, I guess... I guess the Pacers would need to have something to play for because they're currently the 10 seed right now. Uh, Boston, yeah, they could maybe go up to the uh, to the nine seed or the eight yeah. seed. You got the Celtics, who have probably been the most disappointing team. They're probably going to be in that play, and they lost, I think, to Miami 
last night. So yep. both Boston and the Lakers. Boston probably in the play play-in game. The Lakers maybe 50-50. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm interested to see the Knicks. The Knicks are good for once. Uh, and hopefully they can hang on to the 4-5 the seed. I want the Knicks to suffer and lose in the first round. No, Knicks Atlanta, Knicks Miami. Let's go Let's go Atlanta. Let's go Atlanta. I'm going Knicks. I like Tom Thibodeau. Well for the Bulls, good for Minnesota. You know, the Eastern Conference usually does nothing for anybody. Right. You know, if you get Nets, Bucks, that's going to be your second-round matchup. That'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you see the Knicks versus the Sixers. You know, the Sixers are the one seed. Are they, are they Philadelphia going to do something for once? Are they actually going to you know, get to the finals? Get to an Eastern Conference finals? So there's something. My, my Hornets, I would love to see my Hornets actually in the goddamn playoffs for once, which mm-hmm. barely happens. You got Russell Westbrook uh, with Washington. But they could uh, get in there. I mean, Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double and no, it barely gets mentioned. Oh, it's been three of the past four years he's averaged a triple-double. Mm-hmm. He's, what, two away from the all-time record. And he had, uh, what, 20-some points, 20-some assists there the other week. Just numbers that nobody else can put up. So here's, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat interested. And, of course, the, the Suns and the Jazz are these legitimate teams. Right now, as we sit, any of these teams making the conference finals between the Jazz and the Suns? Uh, One of them's going to have to beat the Lakers what, to get me, there. Give me Donovan Mitchell's health, and that'll tell me if I'm taking the Jazz or not. What about Phoenix? I don't trust Phoenix yet. Phoenix is probably going to have to play the Clippers or the Lakers at the very least in the second round. Yeah. So, I mean, it's coming out of nowhere. Coming out of nowhere. The Phoenix Suns. I mean, Utah, Utah Golden State, I say I'd watch it. I, I think I would. Utah Golden State right now. Utah averages 116 points. That is third mm-hmm. in basketball. So, I don't care about the NBA at all this far. I'm in my fantasy league. We, we beat Dust V last night. So, good. Uh, on the championship, I've never been to the championship in this league. And the guy who... I'm facing won it last year, so he's. I, I've got to play very well. Good, good. And how's, your, how's the guillotine? Guy, I mean, all my guys to play this week. How's the, the rest. How's the guillotine baseball league? Good, good. We had one guy eliminated. We'll have another guy eliminated this Friday. I'm liking where I'm sitting right now. I think I'm in this for a while. So very good. I feel like I gotta. I feel like if I don't make the final four, I'd be a disappointment. So. I am I am interested in these playoffs for the NBA. I say that now, and it's and it really if it's you know Clippers Lakers, that intrigues me. If yep. it's Utah Golden State, that intrigues me. You know, I'm I'm interested in this. Can Portland do a little something with with their guys? So I'm we'll, we'll, we'll fucking the Brooklyn Nets. Will they play with all of their guys for once? Mm-hmm. I want to see what they can do. So I now I say I'm interested. A month from now, we'll see where we're at. Yep. But all depends on, on the paper. Matches. On paper, it looks good. The NHL—they're winding their regular season down. The playoffs should start this weekend. We really still don't know kind of what we know. Most of the teams, 
Uh, but some teams, some teams have already are already done with the regular season. Other teams like Vancouver, who had you know three weeks off because of COVID issues, still have seven games left. So the playoffs for them for Canada might not start as early as those down in the states. But uh, we're 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 very thrilled that the Wild are in there with Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, so that's something to keep tabs on. Again, the NHL playoffs starting this weekend, early next week. We'll have a full previews next week regarding both the NHL and the NBA since that'll be going on. So that'll be fun. Um, the market starts on June 20. Yes, 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 he will. Uh, I mean, we're going to try and get him on uh, for a few thoughts as he uh, awaits to go down to Frisco here this week for the podcast. Also, he's updating us on the pillow guy. Oh, he's there. Yep. Um. Lines outside the Corn Palace. There's some piece of paper that he sent, that he messaged me with. There's some phone number on it. I'm going to call it as soon as I'm done with you. Okay. Then I can get this exact word in here. Phone number says something like, you know, this is the pillow guy mm-hmm. from Minnesota. Something like, do not call this number or something, or do not let people know about this. You know, don't give it out to people. Um... Do you want to be an investor, Stacking? Do you want to be an investor? Hell no. Not in my pillow. Whatever this is, you are, you Nathan Stacking. You're in a, you are in a position right now to invest a minimum of four hundred and fifty dollars to help them massively improve mathematics education. Hmm. Sounds like a scam. If you invest four hundred fifty dollars. Your investment returns will be thirty-five hundred percent reasonable projections in the oh, next three yes. years. That four hundred fifty dollars will be worth nearly sixteen thousand. Mm. Well, sign so me up now. Now you have me intrigued. Some guy, Algebra Victory. His name I'm Mark Emerson, creator of Algebra Victory. Find me here at the rally in my white mega hat that Trump signed for me. I'll be in Mitchell and Sioux Falls tomorrow on Tuesday and Wednesday morning. He gives his cell phone number out and his email out. Please study the website before calling or emailing me, and please do not post my phone or email on social media. Huh. Yeah, so it. whoever this this con artist is decides to uh, get in on the big con here, mm-hmm. And um, I was just yeah. thinking, like, if you're MAGA, I don't know if that, like, with the algebra and stuff, if that, uh, like, the education piece goes hand in hand. I have no idea what algebra and education has to do with money. Putting in $450 and somehow in three years you would get $15,000 back. Pyramids. I have no idea what this has to do with anything except give me $450. And you'll never see it again. Yeah. That. Whoever this guy is, I have no idea. But you're going to call him? I want to report next week. Algebra victory. I I look forward to hearing back from you, like, what, what this end, ends up being. It's a scam is what it is. Oh, well, I know thing. that. He's giving away his book. Whoever this other guy is, I have no idea. It's... You know, it's it's the dumbest people in this country gathering in one spot. 
so I can look at them and say, yes, if you attend this thing, you are among the dumbest in this community. <laughs> oh, well, let me they be frank us. with you, though, Krins. Let me be frank with you. There's some big uh, yeah. social, this is a big social gathering here. Frank can go suck it as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not talking about the quarterback either. Right, so. right. This guy, pillow guy, one of his people, name was Scott from Fargo. Oh, Calls the radio station today at about one one thirty. Okay. Says I'm Scott with Fargo. I'm with the pillow guy. Could we get him on for an interview? As things today at six o'clock. Could we get him on? I would love to interview him, do some research, and you actually do a combative interview. That didn't happen, of course. Yep. Take the guy's number down. I give it to our news director. He can do whatever he wants with it. We already got, already got a story on it. And he said, like, we're, we're booked in the afternoon. We got our national shows. We don't got time for this guy mm-hmm. to have an interview. Well, I'll let people know. Well, let, let people know he's coming. It's been on the paper. People are aware of this. So mm-hmm. just how stupid of them to call literally four to five hours before the event is going to be on and thinking they're just going to be on the radio. Can we get on the radio? The event's in four hours. Can we do an interview? Where would we put that interview? We've got programming the rest of the day. Yep. We have no room for an interview for you. So goes to say these are not the brightest people. Well, it's also like, like they think like he's of utmost importance too. He's not. They, they are among the dumbest people yeah. in this society. Did yeah. I tell you about this guy uh, from Saturday Night Live in the 80s? No. Joe, what the hell? Joe, Joe Piscopo okay. is his name. Okay. He, uh, he was uh, on Saturday Night Live in the 80s. He is, well, 1980, 1984. He's 69 years old. Apparently, he has a radio show in New York. Oh. And he emails us and calls us last week, as people do, wanting to know, can Joe Piscopo do his radio show from your station Monday morning? Because he's barely going to be here or whatever with the pillow guy. <laughs> we're like, no, he can't, because we're busy doing our own shows in the morning. We have three studios, three stations. They're all busy. Mm-hmm. They email again. They call again. They say, we told you, no, you can't. Oh, we'll pay you. No. There's there's another radio station across town that's got four stations. I don't know if they called them, if they even know about them. We didn't tell them about them. I don't know if they're smart enough to do that. But we told him no. So Twice. I don't know if he's here or what. Um, if maybe he had to stay home, do his radio show there, or found another way to do it. I'm not quite sure. But these are on the surface. These appear to be stupid people. <laughs> then when you interact with them, they are in fact stupid people. <laughs> so we'll see what Marcus writes up here tonight. Oh yes. We'll see what this stupid idiot says. We'll see what jail sentence he gets here in a few years. Yep. Oh, it might but, not be a few years. Is Kello and, and uh, it's Kello and Dakota? I would imagine. I, w- I would have to think so. I'd assume this will be the biggest story of the day here in this stupid state. But Christy Nolan's so. not going to be there. No, because well, she actually has to be here, and she's never here. So, if you want to avoid the governor of the state, come to the state. You will not see her all that often. Okay. So, well, I am going out to the state. We're going on. A, we're going to the Black Hills next week. For a few well, days. you won't see her because so. there you go. 
We'll be around if you make your way through Mitchell. We'll be here. Okay. Very so. good. Very good. Uh, also, final final thing for me, and I know the answer to this already, but I still need to ask it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about the NFL schedule release on Wednesday? <laughs> how excited am I? Yes. Well, give me something to talk about in sports the next day. I don't know, like a two or three. Oh, well, that's higher than I thought it would be. I feel like I used to be much more excited when I when you had no idea what the schedule was. Right. Where it was this random shit. Yep. Where it was the, the Dolphins and Broncos went, what, 15, 16 years without playing each other? And that was during the, the Marino Elway years. That's insane. They played, in their, they played in their first or second season. They didn't play again until their last season, in which they played twice, including the playoffs. So John Elway and Dan Marino played three times in their career against each other, once in the early 80s, once in 1999. Hmm. That seems a little uh, far-fetched. Well, they're not far-fetched, but it just like, seems a little odd that they wouldn't. Like, yeah, that, unbelievable. Yeah. Because you don't remember any classic Dan Marino-John Elway games. Right. Because there were only three, and two of them took place when they were 40 years old. <laughs> That's incredible. It so. is. It is. Um, I mean, we'll see. Oh, we'll see. You know, it'll be entry with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. We don't know what's going to happen. Yep. So that would greatly affect the schedule for a couple teams. Yep. Sure would. So. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm not. I'm not going to watch this shit. But you will. It's you're. You're very much excited about it. Absolutely. It's going to um, be odd though. You know, I'm trying to put together these primetime schedules and put together the Viking schedule, and I don't really know how this extra game, this 17th game, is going to work. Like, is that? I would assume they're still going to do divisional games in week. Uh, 17. I assume this or, game just happens randomly throughout the year. No, I think it's what? I think it's like the last week, last two weeks. Uh, of, I think maybe I don't know. I honestly I've no again idea. this is another thing like we don't know. Like what Vikings have to play the Chargers, right? Yes, they do. So it's like you wouldn't. Yeah, I would assume it's going to be. I don't know if all of those games are going to be on the same week. You could just put them anywhere, just I, whatever. I think it would be a great idea to like have it do be like the second to last week of the regular season or the last week. Like have, but but then you can't probably can't do that because what if Kansas City decides to rest Mahomes against Rodgers? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how the hell this is. We're in the middle work. of the season, week nine, week ten, no bye week somehow. And what it's all AFC versus NFC. Make, make a big stupid deal out of it. Yeah. I don't know because you would have you know the first place teams playing. Last year's first place team, so you're probably going to get uh, get a couple of them. Yep. A couple of them that are good. I don't. I guess I was just under the assumption, and again, wrong to assume, but I thought they were just going to add this team, and it was just going to be like all one week, like late in the season. Like that was. I don't know. Maybe, but it would make more sense to sprinkle it throughout the race. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Um, but we'll be anxious to see what happens. We'll see where the Vikings. You know what? You know, will they end at home? Will they end on the road? They have to play nine road games this year. They get eight uh, because you know they have to go to the Chargers. I the whole thing, the whole seventeenth game is just stupid. But we'll see Wednesday night. That's uh, that's what it is. So, anything else we need to get to before we say so long? I'm just reading this guy from the Argus who's here with the pillow guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to go through a metal detector. So he couldn't bring a gun or a weapon in. That's that sounds like a, a Second Amendment. Uh, uh, Even though all of these people are all about the guns, 
you can take your gun into Subway, but you can't take it into this thing here. So I, I wonder why that is. Hmm. And um, you, give a, you get a copy of the book, and you get a copy of some, um, some DVD they put out that says that the uh, fraud of the election. So there's that. It's what you get. So it's very weird. A bunch of weird people. Um, we did our announcer draft last night, and that yes, was fun. That was. It was a blast. Had our announcer, so I post those on Facebook here this week. So do that, and we'll do our NFL schedule at some point here. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to wait for Rodgers to, to make that move because that's a big move. Yep, I agree. But uh, if it's, you know, July, August, it's like, all right, like we'll do it before training camp starts. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> uh, we got to get going. I'm just so. looking on the Argus Leader website right now, and there's not one. I'm not seeing anything on the the My Pillow thing. And now, granted, it's because it hasn't happened yet, but not even like any lead up story to it. I'm not seeing anything. Nothing. No, you look at the front page. Eh, not a lot. No, sorry. I'm sure they'll have something something tonight. Yeah, I'm sure they will as well. Well, uh, sure. you you stay sane in your city uh, because I mean. Don't go to sleep with the, you know, because of my pillow guys talking. Yeah, we're going to go play pickleball. So. I, that's a great idea. Great idea. Also, Kenny Maine. Kenny Maine, uh, ESPN fired him. So What? Or he got released because of cost cutting. So, good thing. Who, somebody got him in the draft. I think uh, Charlie did, so. Why he, would you uh, give it to Kenny Maine? He's salary so cap casualty. Kenny Maine, 30 years, almost 30 years at ESPN. He's gone. He so was just if he, on. If there's there. anybody good at ESPN, uh, they won't be there. You know, he was just on like two days ago. Yeah, done. The fuck. Yeah. Awful. Just awful. And I sent you the link to this Argus, guys. You can follow along with the uh, festivities here tonight. Thanks. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. So that'll be fun. Yeah, look at that. The national cha- uh, SDSU fans looking forward to FCS National Championship. That uh, That's the lead story on Kelloland That because that's newsworthy. Really, that's the lead story on the website. Oh. Yeah. Very exciting. Good. Very good. All right. Uh, best of luck, my friend. Well, you have a good week. Enjoy the pickleball, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining us here. Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. A uh, crazy time with the... Uh, um, you know, fucking my pillow guy in uh, Mitchell, but uh, I mean, talked a lot about SDSU in the championship game again. Frisco against Sam Houston State. Uh, that's great. I was at the game. Went with the with buddy Will Rottler. He was it was fun. Um, kind of on a whim. We didn't know if we were going to do it for sure or not, but went through it and glad we did. Uh, saw Marcus Traxler at uh, had some good food at Cubby's. I mean, that's always great. Uh, we'll hopefully talk with Marcus here coming up a little bit more about the, the championship game, and uh, we'll see if we can get uh, Matt Zimmer on as well. If not, uh, we'll kind of wrap things up here. Next week, we're going to be previewing the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, talk about, re- react to the schedule release. I, I like it, but, you know, maybe there is. I, I don't know. I don't know what the NFL is doing with, uh, with this added 17th game. Uh, a tad bizarre, but. We'll figure it out. Uh, that's the beauty of this here. So let's, um, yeah. And so we'll, we'll we'll have a few things to talk about here. So if we can't, uh, we'll try and get Matt Zimmer and uh, Marcus Traxler on next to talk about heading to Frisco, what they expect 
from the Jackrabbits' first national championship game appearance at the FCS level in Frisco. That's coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Travis Grins is on Twitter at Travis Grins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. The Jackrabbits are headed to Frisco. More thoughts on the game coming up next year on the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, Championship Week edition, and we are continuing with our extensive talk on the FCS Championship game between South Dakota State and Sam Houston State, and pleased to be joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Matt, how are we doing? Great, Nate. Pretty busy, but other than that, great. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. I was just going to ask you, uh, did you ever envision a week in May where you would be as busy as you are this week covering Jackrabbit Athletics? Certainly not for football. Uh, you know, usually this time of year is when, you know, the post-basketball, end of the high school season, graduation, you know, you're starting to plot out some vacations and get ready for the summer and take it easy a little bit. And, yeah, it's been a hectic couple of weeks. Uh, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel now, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, looking forward to getting on to Frisco. It's uh, something I hope I never have to do again, cover football in the spring. Uh, but it's been really fun. Yeah, it certainly has, and uh, it's been a magical ride for the Jackrabbits this season, especially in the playoffs, You know, playing all three games at home. When the season first started and we knew that there would be spring football, did you envision that this is how it would end, where you would be going down to Frisco to cover the Jackrabbits in the championship game? Um, I mean, I guess I knew there was a chance because every year the Jacks are one of the contenders and there's a shot. But I, I think, you know, we were thinking more in terms of what are the COVID effects going to be? Is this season really going to happen? You know, those were kind of the doubts you were having more so than, you know, who's gonna good enough, who's going to make it, that kind of thing. And as the season progressed, uh, I think that became even more so the case because we all kind of thought that maybe – you know, it would it would get off to a rough start and get better as the season went on, mm-hmm. and instead the opposite happened. You know, when when the spring season started, I think all the players, all the coaches, all the teams, I think they were really gung ho and really enthusiastic and and earnest uh, about saying, "Let's do this. Let's make it happen. Let's be careful. Let's take all the precautions so we can have a season." And that's why for the first couple of weeks, most of the games were being played. Mm-hmm. But then as it went on. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of March, they're dropping like flies, you know, and there are cancellations everywhere and teams opting out. You know, at the time, it kind of seemed like, geez, is COVID getting worse? You know, it's supposed to be getting better. But in hindsight, I think you can realize that what was really happening is players and teams that didn't feel like they were going to be in the mix at the end, didn't have a lot to play for, felt like the season wasn't as as legit or fun or whatever as they hoped it would be, just kind of started saying the hell with it. Mm-hmm. And got and got lazy, and uh, all of a sudden these games are getting canceled all over the place. And uh, it was about at that point in the middle of March when the Jacks themselves had what three, four consecutive games either called off or rescheduled. And yep. I, I said to one of my bosses, we were talking about you know coverage because also you know basketball is going on at the same time, you know summer league tournament, NCAA tournament, and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, this isn't going to happen. It's it's going to be over pretty soon. Like we'll still. You know, cover whatever games they play, but let's just plan on this thing getting wrapped up here pretty soon. They're going to call it off. Um, but then, obviously, you know, I think what we can see now with a little bit of distance to look back on it 
is that the teams that were serious about it, the teams that did feel like, hey, this is real, this is legit, we want to play for a championship, took the necessary precautions, you know, took it seriously, were careful. And now here we are at the end of a, a playoff tournament that has had no cancellations, that mm-hmm. got all the games in. Uh, and I think that just kind of shows you that we kind of weeded out the teams that didn't care, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and the teams that did uh, got to the playoffs, and it's been a much more real, for lack of a better word, season. And whatever weirdness or illegitimacy that seems to be attached to this season back in February and March has really kind of melted away. It, this entire playoffs has felt much more like, you know, a regular fall football season. And uh, for that reason, it's been a lot more, it's been a lot easier to get excited about it, mm-hmm. uh, to, to follow these playoff games and, and treat them like they're, you know, games being in September, October, November. And, uh, and I also think it kind of uh, eliminates the need or the ability for anyone to question the legitimacy of this championship. Yep. I mean, there's obviously going to be people who are going to try to really, you know, jealous fan bases, basically. Yep. We're going to try to say that this is not a legit championship, but when you look at the playoff field and who was in it, and the fact that all the games were played, it's a legit championship. Yeah, I think uh, some folks up in Fargo might be feeling that way. Uh, and I do laugh at the at you know the commitment level of all these teams saying yes, we want to play in the spring, and and then yeah, you start seeing a couple of losses in there, and then they just start dropping out like flies. Uh, with the season being in the spring, though, and especially with the playoffs, you're seeing so many more games on ESPN and ABC, not just ESPN3 or whatever. That has really seemed to help. How much do you think that has elevated FCS, just having the spotlight truly on them during this unprecedented uh, spring season? It's been a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, you're probably aware when they made the decision to go to the spring, there were a lot of people that were kind of saying, hey, like, we should be able to get these games on, on national TV. You can have a game of the week. And mm-hmm. there was sort of this thought that there would be a big uh, push or a big chance for exposure in the regular season. Well, I think what those people forgot is that the NBA is still going on. You know, the NHL, uh, Major League Baseball was just about to get ready to go. You know, ESPN wasn't going to show, you know, Illinois State against you know, South Dakota over the Knicks and the Lakers, you know. So <laughs> that just didn't end up happening. And it was a source of frustration and disappointment for a lot of people. Uh, but now that it's gotten to the playoffs, uh, ESPN has, has stepped up. They've got on board. And uh, like you said, they're televising these games and, and uh, you know, not just televising them, but giving them, you know, good uh, whatever it was, the, the, the special treatment. And, yep. you know, some of the broadcasting teams haven't been great, but you can see they're kind of stepping it up as we get closer. And, <laughs> excuse me, they already had the contracts uh, to move the ch- national championship to ABC this year back before COVID. Uh, but now that that's going to happen, I mean, I mean, I think in in this day and age with cable and now streaming and everything, you know, network TV isn't as much of a, a thing maybe as it would have been in 1987 or something. But just think about, like, you went to SDSU, right? I yes, mean, I did. Yep. Think if someone had told you that someday the Jackrabbit football team was going to be playing a game live on ABC, yeah. you know, the, the channel that used to air Monday Night Football, yep. you know, that, that, that that's wild to me. Like, that mm-hmm. is really crazy. There's been obviously a lot of accomplishments for this program since they went Division One, and, you know, the basketball team has played on national TV, on CBS, you know, for the NCAA tournament, but this is a whole other thing entirely, and that is, that is really crazy to me to, to think that 
people are going to be able to tune it to, you know, channel seven or channel eight or whatever ABC is in your, in your market mm-hmm. and uh, watch the Jacks football team when just, you know, 20 years ago they were playing Augie. Yeah, at, uh, Coughlin yep. Alumni Stadium. <laughs> yeah, yep, in that you know, run-down Coughlin Alumni Stadium. Now you have a beautiful new stadium with uh, the Dan J. Dykehouse Center, everything like that. Um, a, a kind of a loaded question here, but if you could pinpoint one reason as to why SDSU is headed to Frisco this week, whether that be from the regular season, the playoffs, or both, what would you say that reason is? Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily the best team the Jacks have ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few people have asked me this week if it is, and, and I don't I don't know. I mean, the team that uh, lost to North Dakota State, lost to James Madison, and those were you saw them. Those are some really really good teams. Yes, they had stars um, like Wenicky and Goddard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and this team maybe doesn't. I mean, I don't I don't see a second round draft pick on this team. You know. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody on this team that's going to play in the NFL, uh, but they really have no weaknesses. And uh, even in their areas of strength, you know, they have the kind of depth that they could weather a loss or two, an injury or two. They haven't had any, which is another thing that's benefited them. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, and then on top of all that depth, you get three weeks off in the middle of the season. I mean, we all thought that was going to be, you know, uh, costly, that it was going to lead to them being rusty or yep. lazy or, or you know lose their edge or whatever and instead the opposite seemed to happen that you know freshened them up they got them healthy and they've been really really good since then i mean there's certainly a lot of other factors and I, I, you know no disrespect to them but another one of those factors is north dakota state isn't as good as they have been in past years yep you know you ask geez how did this team win when the goddard winicky team didn't well there's some better competition uh those years than there is this year mm-hmm. um but you know I, I think to, to, to do it the way you asked, to, to pinpoint one thing, I, I think just the overall talent level and depth of this team is something they've been building for a long, long time. And this year it finally all came together, you know, just with the lack of injuries, staying healthy, avoiding COVID. And like I said, uh, maybe not having that juggernaut of a Bison team to have to try to get past. Yep. I mean, it's great when you can, you know, if Pierre Strong co- goes out and Isaiah Davis comes in and you don't even miss a beat. I mean, the, right. and the 605 Hogs have been playing outstanding this year. The defense, uh, the defensive line really stepped it up, especially against Delaware, manhandling Delaware's poor offensive line. I think sending 64 to the bench, uh, one of their starting uh, tackles or guards there for a little bit. I mean, I, I guess as we look ahead to this championship game, Sam Houston State certainly scares me from the standpoint, I, sh- I think should scare any Jackrabbit fan from their offensive firepower in that they could maybe attack that SDSU secondary. But SDSU, if they can get that good pressure, and I guess even going, yeah, yeah we'll just keep with that, that SDSU pressure, I think that's a, like a real key in this game is just can the Jackrabbits keep that explosive play from Sam Houston State down or at, at least a minimum? Yeah, I agree, and it's especially important because uh, teams have had some success throwing the ball against the Jacks. You know, we saw Southern Illinois do it mm-hmm. uh, last week. Obviously, the Jacks pulverized the, pa- the the with the pass rush, as you mentioned, completely shut down the running game, seven sacks. Uh, but they did complete eighteen of twenty-one passes. Yep. Now, granted, a lot of that was kind of dink and dunk stuff. They never really had time to throw the ball deep down the field. Um, but still, I mean, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that teams can have some success completing passes against this team. Uh, it, and I, I think, you know, I liked their game plan against 
uh, Delaware. It seemed like they had, you know, recognized that they got away with some stuff or maybe even didn't get away from with some stuff against Southern Illinois. Had to address that. They blitzed a little bit more, but just the pass rush was just so much better. Uh, if they can do that again, uh, I think that's going to go a long way because I don't care how good your quarterback is, how good your receivers are, or how bad the secondary is that you're going against. If the quarterback, you know, is, is running for his life in fewer than two seconds every time the ball is snapped, that team is not going to be able to have success offensively absolutely and do you think that I think that the Southern Illinois game was a blessing this guys just with how close it was and that the Jackrabbits actually had to come back at saying like okay hey we can't take anything for granted here we're gonna have to come out with our a game because everyone is going to be gunning for us do you do you think that that was maybe a turning point especially like maybe like the the halftime score but you know being down 20 to 10 and then they just pretty much dominated in the second half there had to hold on with that interception but then they flattened Delaware Oh, do you think that that Southern Illinois game is perhaps a blessing in disguise for them? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, certainly, as you mentioned, having to come back the way they did, but not even that just so much as, like, uh, you know, recognizing that you know, you're going to get other teams best. I mean, mm-hmm. they beat Southern Illinois 44-3. to yep. And to the Jacks' credit, every one of them knew, like, this is not going to be easy just because we blew this team out. If anything, I think they were a little... Like, oh, shit, these guys are going to come in really motivated, really pissed off. Mm -hmm. They were ready for it. They didn't overlook them. uh, But I think they were still kind of, like, just not prepared for the Salukis to just be that good, frankly. Um, And the fact that they found a way to, you know, weather that storm and come back and win, absolutely, certainly helps them. But also, I think it just gave them a chance to recognize, like, oh, hey, maybe there's some things we don't do so well. You know, like, we should maybe work a little bit on getting better against the pass. you know, and, and, and also I think, too, you know, every playoff run, I shouldn't say every playoff run, but most of them, I, I don't, like, remember all the scores, but you go back and look at throughout North Dakota State's dynasty winning eight of nine national championships, they didn't win 51 to 10 every single week, you know? I mean, they found a way to win all the games, to, to get all the way through to Frisco and win, mm-hmm. but there were plenty of games in the early rounds and the late rounds uh, where they looked defeated, where they had to come back, where they needed last-minute heroics, where they got a break here and there. I mean, yep. you can remember uh, against the Jets, Zach Zenner's senior year. Yeah. Um What's that? Was it the Erzendowski play? Yeah, exactly. Um, Illinois State had them beaten. I don't even remember what happened. I just remember thinking, like, oh, Illinois State's the national champion, and then something happened, and, it, it, you know, the, the Bison won again. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, it's, I guess sort of what I'm saying is there's always probably going to be, over the course of a playoff run, whether it's, you know, four, four games or however many you have to win, uh, where you don't play your best game, where you do need some things to go your way. You know, you need to get some breaks or you need to make something happen or – you need to overcome not playing your best game. You get a scare, whatever it is. And I think, you know, certainly I felt like even if the Jacks end up winning this thing on Sunday, I, like I said, I wasn't expecting to win every single game in a, in a blowout. They were going to get tested somewhere. They were going to get pushed somewhere. Now, I thought Delaware would give them a, a, a big test, too. I thought Delaware had a, an excellent chance to win that game. It didn't turn out that way. And we'll see what happens with Sam Houston State. I think they're very capable, too. But, um I think there's a chance that if they do win this thing, they'll look back and go, well, you know, Southern Illinois was that one where we didn't play our best game, but great teams, championship teams, sometimes find a way to win when they're not at their best, and that's what the Jacks did that round. 
Do you think that this is a sign of things to come for SDSU in terms of the playoffs, like the road to Frisco going through Brookings? And, of course, you know, for NDSU, you have to drive through Brookings, obviously, to get down to Frisco on I-29 there. But do you think this is some sustained level of success that the Jackrabbits can keep up? Uh, or I do. I mean, I don't know if I would say it's a changing of the guard necessarily. Or Agreed. I certainly, I certainly don't think the Bison, you know, like they're – dynasty is over or their best days are behind them agreed uh you know they actually i mean look at in defense of the bison you know a first round pick and a second round pick both opted out uh if if trey lance and dylan radens are playing right now i mean the bison are probably playing right now too um and they're obviously going to reload there were a bunch of other injuries and opt-outs that they had to deal with and uh much like south dakota state a lot of the Bison's best players this year, or key players anyway, uh, were freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, NDSU fans won't shut up about how young they are and how good they're going to be and how great the future is. <laughs> and uh, th- th- that's fine. That's There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, but what I think they're maybe overlooking is that the same thing is true in Brookings. Yes. And I think Jacks fans might be overlooking the fact that, that Fargo and the, the Bison have that situation too. But yep. these two, you look at the Jacks. Mark Gronowski and Isaiah Davis are freshmen. The Yankee brothers are sophomores. I mean, and there's so many guys on, you know, Garrett Greenfield, their only first-team All-American is a freshman. Uh, you know, there's a ton of young talent on that football team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think, you know, whether it's the Jacks and the Bison, and, and that's, I mean, that's kind of how it's been the last few years anyway. I mean, I think you could make a strong argument that NDSU and SDSU, with probably James Madison thrown in there, have been the best teams in FCS for the last half decade. It's just that the Jacks, unfortunately, share a conference with North Dakota State and have often had to, you know, play the best team earlier than the championship. Um, Now, it's almost like it's just, you know, becoming a more pronounced sort of thing. Because like I said, this is something, I don't know that this is necessarily the best team the Jacks has ever had, but they've been playing a long game for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, try, trying to build a team that, okay, maybe this team doesn't have three NFL skill players on it, uh, but it's got the sort of depth and balance that these <laughs> Bison teams over the last few years have had. Mm-hmm. And now, potentially, we could have a really uh, interesting uh, battle, which, like I said, we already have, but NDSU and SDSU, with their youth, uh, I think they both have a chance to be very, very good for a long time. I agree. I agree. Um, Sam Houston State, their opponent in Frisco, we we know that they've had a lot of success over the years, but they've had some disappointing ends in the playoffs. They've lost to, to NDSU in the championship game there in Frisco. So, it, you know, for those Jackrabbit fans that are saying like, oh, you know, we're playing Sam Houston State. We, you know, yes, they have a great offense, but, you know, we know that they've kind of struggled in the playoffs in the past, kind of like us. What's different about the Sam Houston State team versus previous Sam Houston State teams, in your opinion? I think, I think two things. Uh, one, their defense. Uh, John Steelman went out of his way to say, like, this team plays defense, and a lot of the other ones that played in the playoffs don't. Uh, they're a tougher, more physical team. Their defensive line is very, very good, similar to SDSU's. They haven't always had that. So that's a big difference. But I think the second thing also is just maybe the – the attitude of this team. And I know that's kind of cliche to talk about intangible things like that, but uh, you look at their resiliency in just what they've had to deal with this year. They beat North Dakota State and James Madison back to back. When you just, when you put it, think about that. Like those are the two teams, you know, they're the only teams that have won the national championship in the last decade. And they just beat them back to back. Yep. And now they, now they got to play the Jacks the third week in a row. 
Um, those are the two premier teams in FCS football. Maybe they're not as good this year as they have been, but still, they had to go through those two places. Or I guess they're both at home, but still. Uh, and then the James Madison game, you know, they were down 24-3. to three. Yep. I mean, we were all, as Jacks fans, saying, well, it's going to be the Dukes, SDSU against James Madison, and, you know, thinking it was over. Uh, and they came back on that game. Uh, that, that gets the attention of anybody. Yep. So I think this is a team that, A, has a much better defense than they've ever had before, but B, has a resiliency, a toughness, a belief uh, that that, more than anything, I think should scare the Jacks or Jacks fans. It's like, hey, you might think you guys have these down, have these guys down, uh, but you better watch it or they'll, they'll still find a way. Yeah, their explosive firepower. I mean, they were down 27 to 10, and then in a blink of like an eye, like seven minutes of game time, they score four touchdowns and are up by 11. I mean, it's just, it's insane what they what they did in that game against James Madison. To, uh, what's your biggest X factor for this game? Like, if the Jackrabbits are to win, what is going to have to happen for them to win? What's the biggest X factor? Um, honestly, I think what they have to do is continue to play mistake-free football because that's really what they've done. You know, they're, they're what, 8-1, and one, and the one game they lost, they should have won that game. Mm-hmm. North Dakota's a good team, but the Jacks beat themselves that day, yep. and they did it because they made a bunch of mistakes. You know, they dropped an easy touchdown early in the game that would have made it 14 nothing. They had some special teams breakdowns, some defensive breakdowns later in the game. Uh, good for North, North Dakota. They took advantage. They won that game. They earned that win. Uh, but I certainly didn't come away from it thinking that they were the better team. It was like, wow, the better team didn't win today. Uh, since then, the Jacks, with a couple of exceptions, notably Youngstown State, they didn't play well that game. Uh, they've played pretty mistake-free football. And in the playoffs in particular, they have not turned the ball over once. Uh, they have not committed a lot of penalties. They have not given up catastrophic plays. They've taken care of business in the kicking game, other than I think they missed the PAT last week. But um, I think they're so good and sound and deep and balanced, all those things I've mentioned, that if they just don't make mistakes, they're going to win because they're the better team. I think they're the best team in the country. I think they have the best personnel, the best coaching, the best everything. So as long as they just don't screw up, you know, like just think back to James Madison. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the Jacks were better than James Madison that year, but they were certainly capable. They were their equals. But they turned the ball over 10 times. Yeah. I mean, you, you make those kind of mistakes, you don't have a chance. Yep. If they had played a mistake-free game that day, I'm not saying they would have won necessarily, but they might have. Yep. Uh, they've just got to come out here in this game and not make mistakes, take care of the football the way they have, not, like, not commit, like I said, big penalties or, or give up catastrophic plays, and I think they'll win the game because I think they're just a little bit better than Sam Houston. I, and I, I agree with that, and I think a lot of Jackrabbit fans also just want this championship win for uh, – Stiglmeyer. I mean, you know, he's been a part of the program for decades, and he means so much to this team and this community that I think a lot of people want it to win for him. Is he is he keeping the same even kill approach headed in a championship week? He is, and I think uh, that's made a little bit easier by the fact that because of the COVID spring season, you know, the, the championship game is a week after the semifinals. Yep. You know, normally it's they kind of treat it like a college ball game where there's a month off. That would give you plenty of time to sit around. and I mean, that could be a benefit, too. You have plenty of time to prepare and scout and practice and all that. But because it's just seven days after the last game, it's very easy to just treat it like another game week. You know, stay in the same routine. And uh, this team has obviously done a good job of, of adhering to a routine when you think about how they avoided COVID and, you know, kept this winning streak going, uh, earning home field advantage, all of that. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Stig works just as bad as anybody. He's really good at 
you know, demurring and the aw shucks sort of personality, but yep. this would mean a ton to him because uh, there have been people who have questioned whether or not he's the guy as they've, you know, made this move and, and continue to improve and, you know, they've been close so many times. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many coaches we've seen over the years in, in a number of sports that have been that guy, you know, who could always take teams to the playoffs always, but just couldn't win the big one, you know, whether it's Marty Schottenheimer or Ron Gardenhire or Tom Osborne, who finally got it done at Nebraska, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. There's always those guys, and John doesn't want to be that guy. You know, this would cement his legacy. I think just getting there helps, you know, just getting to Frisco for the first time is significant, and if they lose on Sunday, I still think that's a big deal that they finally got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, John, you know, doesn't want to just say, I got to Frisco. You know, they want to be able to hang that national championship banner. Absolutely. And I know, I th- think you said the Jackrabbits are probably going to win. Did you want to offer a prediction here, or you just uh, wanted to see how the game goes? Uh, I think I said on another podcast the other day, Jack's 31-20. Maybe that's a little bit big of a spread, but that, that's kind of the neighborhood of what I'm thinking of, of for a score. I think the Jacks are going to be somewhere in the high 20s, low 30s. And, uh, you know, I think Sam Houston's going to get some points on the Jacks. So somewhere in that neighborhood. All right. Final question for you here, and I appreciate the time as always, but what are you most excited to do in Frisco? Is it to see the star? Uh, you want to go see the Dr. Pepper plant or whatever? What What are you excited to do in Frisco? Um, well, again, I, there won't be as much opportunity to, to take it in as there would be in a normal mm-hmm. scenario. Uh, I don't really get access to the team that I normally would because of COVID. I'm only going to be down there for a couple of days as opposed to maybe a whole week in a normal situation. So I don't know that there will be a ton of time to do stuff like that. But what I am, I guess the best answer to your question is um, I was surprised that Jacks fans sold out their allotment of tickets right away. And they did at all, you know, let alone that they did it that fast. Yep. You know, Bison fans over the years have bragged about how, you know, they own Frisco and we're the only ones that, you know, sell out and bring it down there. Well, the Jacks fans stepped up, and that's impressive. Yes. And uh, I'm really excited to see uh, just what that environment is like uh, with a big contingent of fans from Brookings down in Texas uh, watching their team play for a national championship, again, on ABC. That's that's a pretty big deal, and I don't know if I ever thought I was going to see it. Yep, and, uh, you know, so that means now the Jackrabbits need to get back to Frisco in a normal year, so you have more of that time. So that's that's the pressure on them, so that they have to do that to go back-to-back. Matt, I always appreciate the time. Uh, Enjoy the game. Enjoy the the limited time in Frisco that you have, uh, but always appreciate the time and uh, uh, safe travels. Thanks, Nate. See ya. Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader, kind enough to join me here on the Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. Uh, great great insight there, great analysis, and um, yeah, we'll see if the Jackrabbits can win. But we aren't done with the Jackrabbits. No, 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 no. We are going to continue to talk, and we're going to talk with my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler, here uh, coming up in just a moment here. We'll, we'll talk about the Jackrabbits. Uh, we were at the game on Saturday. He was at the game, of course, and uh, we'll... we'll We'll, again, continue this this semi-deep dive into the championship game and the run leading up to this because, again, I think we always hoped that it was going to happen, but now it's actually here. What's going to happen? We'll find out next when we talk to Marcus Traxler as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Again, available on podcast.com. Follow uh, Matt on Twitter at ArgusMattZ. Uh, again, follow me on Twitter at IndyStack and a link to the podcast will be there, but coming up next, Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic, his thoughts on SDSU's run to the championship game in Frisco and a preview straight ahead, coming up on the Sports Block Podcast.
Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, uh, continuing to discuss uh, SDSU's run to Frisco, the first ever uh, appearance for the Jackrabbits in Frisco, and uh, pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stackin. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, Again, I mean, we... We we met each other on on Saturday. We we were at Cubbies and stuff, kind of discussing the game. And you know, still just a few days later, it doesn't feel. I I, I don't really know the feeling or what to feel about this about the Jackrabbits being in the championship game on Sunday. It doesn't seem real. It's like oh my gosh, well they're here. Can they actually do it? It's like it's still spring. It's just a whole bunch of emotions. What are what are you feeling going into this game? Yeah, well, I first I want to say uh, it was great to see you on, on Saturday yeah. and uh, our friend Will Rottler as well. Yes. Uh, great, great to have you guys out uh, for the game, and, and you guys saw a good one, at least from an SDSU perspective. Yep. And, and uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this, you know, after the game that, um, you know, we've sort of been in the, at least I have been, um, I missed some of the beginning of the season, at least in person, because I was doing basketball stuff uh, here in Mitchell. But, um, and then obviously they had a month off where they didn't play. Mm-hmm. And so I, the first home game I got to was Holy Cross. And so um, I've you know, been to the last three home games and, and would be fortunate enough to go to Frisco. And so I'm kind of in it. And I've been writing these stories, you know, a couple stories a week on it. So um, it feels like football season right now. Um, I don't know if it necessarily feels like December or January, you know, whenever they'd have the championship. But uh, because you can't deny, uh, you know, how weird it is to be doing this in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but. Uh, John Stiglmeyer kind of made the point that you know once you're in it and you're kind of on a weekly basis, it's football season. And right now, it does kind of feel like football season, you know. And uh, at least in my kind of oper- uh, you know operation, you know method, I've kind of blocked a lot of other stuff out. You know, I haven't watched as much of the Twins. Uh, you know, the Wild will be there uh, when this is all said and done. I you know Timberwolves, I, I don't really care right now. Right. Well, their um, season their season know, wraps up uh, on Sunday anyway. So yeah, you know, and so um, you know, and, and with you basically you know spend uh, all of Saturday or all of Sunday in the case of the Western Illinois game, sort of um, preparing to to go to the game, driving to the game, being at the game, post game, and then driving home. And and so um, it's it's been a time commitment for me, but that's kind of I'm I'm fully invested in, in uh, mm-hmm. following this at least at this point so I'm in it I, I think uh, the the reaction of SDSU fans uh, you know basically buying up the ticket allotment as soon as, as they could on on Monday mm-hmm. tells you that there's people ready to, to celebrate this I think I think people have watched the games either in person or on TV and they realize that this is a team that's doesn't have a lot of holes to it and mm-hmm. uh you know, this seems pretty special when you think about all the, the time in, in Jackrabbit history, at least in the last decade that I've really followed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team is is probably a cut above. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, it, and the weather on Saturday did feel like it was fall-like, so that did help. Kind yeah. of, it did not feel like it. what you should get for, you know, graduation Saturday, uh, the second Saturday of May. Um, and I guess that was going to be one of the questions I had for you is like how many games you had seen and stuff like going into the season, this, this odd spring-like season, I think we knew that SDSU had a decent chance to make a run. Um, but what would it be the run to get to Frisco? And you know what things, you know, after that North Dakota game, I think people were like, Oh, I don't know what, what's going on here. 
Then you get the month off, and then that game against the Bison just really was the springboard to them just kind of running through the playoffs here. They get that scare against Southern Illinois. I think that was that ultimately was good for them, uh, at least in the standpoint against Delaware, where they just clobbered them after spotting them that those three points. But I'm just curious at the beginning of the season. What did you, what was the realistic expectation that you had that they could make it down to Frisco? Because I think for a lot of Jackrabbit fans, it was always that, oh, we can, but where is NDSU in this? Like, oh, where is JMU? Like, are, is SDSU going to have to run into these teams to get to Frisco? The fact that they don't is great, but I think a lot of Jackrabbit fans, I think, would be honest in saying, like, yeah, we were hoping, but we didn't necessarily think that it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I would I would put myself in that category. Um, I, I think that um, you look at how this all came together. Um, you know, we had heard that uh, Mark Gronowski was a good player, great. Uh, you know, becoming really good, mm-hmm. uh, but but we didn't anticipate him being you know a contender for freshman of the year nationally. Um, I just I just looked at the numbers uh, today because I'm doing a story on on the Yankee Twins. But they lost 75 percent of their production in the receiving game mostly because Kate Johnson left, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so you look at you look at the receiving core and you're like, I don't know what exactly they have here. They need some players to step up. Now, those two have done it in a big way. But, um, you know, it, and you look at the defense, you're like, okay, well, they got some players back. You know, hard to say. You know, I think we all kind of assumed, hey, there might be some opt-outs, you know, and then they had a few people leave. Um, but I agree with you. You know, they, they played that opening game against Northern Iowa. It really felt like that was going to be the litmus test game of like, okay, let's see what they've got. And they win it on you know, on the last drive with Gronowski leading them down the field uh, with kind of a, a big balls drive, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that got them off on the right foot. The UND game was, in, in retrospect, was kind of an aberration, but I think it exposed some things. Yep. It kind of uh, set them on, on the path of understanding what they need to get better at. And we talked about the month off. That that seemed to be good because they, they have been healthy since then for the most part. And I agree. NDSU is always the bar. Um, NDSU took this uh, spring season really hard. They had uh, some key injuries, particularly at running back, losing Seth Wilson. Um, you know, quarterback was inconsistent. Uh, offensive line had injuries. Defense wasn't quite as good. And that opening was there for SDSU. You know, I, I think if you looked at the bracket at the beginning of the year and you said, okay, they're only taking 16 teams. That means the margin to get into the playoffs is super small. And after you lose to UND, there's basically no margin. Mm-hmm. And they've, you know, they've played that idea of like we can't afford to lose any more games, and they haven't. I, you know, that doesn't work for every team, but it has worked for SDSU. And uh, I am surprised they're in Frisco. It seems odd that it's in the, or maybe maybe fitting. I haven't decided it, that it happens in a spring season, um, but. You know they've earned their way down there for certain. I know we made the point the other day. Maybe you'll get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Houston against SDSU. That's a championship you could have in a fall season. Yes. You know, and, and, and James Madison being a semifinal team is not out of the question either. So you know we've had some legitimate teams uh, make it to, mm-hmm. to this last stage, and uh, you know that part makes sense. And I think for SDSU, I mean, certainly the Bison fans are already trying to knock this. Uh, should SDSU win the national championship. But, I mean, you talk about going, you know, the, the, the injuries and stuff that the Bison have had and the inconsistent quarterback play. Well, I mean, SDSU, if we're going to look at adversity and stuff in this spring season, because every team had to deal with it, and look at just how 
SDSU embraced it. And the fact that they, what, haven't had any positive COVID tests. Now, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that that, you know, that remains yeah. the case. But SDSU has handled this as well as any team. So we could talk about adversity and everything that this spring season had to deal with. And I think maybe that almost gives you more of a reason to, to say like to say how legitimate this is now. And I, I granted, I'm coming around kind of full circle close to this because for a while there, the excitement level wasn't there. It's like it's spring football. But just thinking about every all the factors that they've had to deal with including the month off and whatnot, like they are dealing with the adversity and the complexities of this spring season and they they're handling they're fly, they're passing it with flying colors. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, what a challenge, what a I know some of the press conferences held on Tuesday were kind of asking uh, you know, uh, you know, about the legitimacy. I know Logan Backus made the point that like this was more taxing of a season than than uh, a typical fall because you had all the COVID testing, you had games canceled, uh, you couldn't interact as much with your family or or if, if at all. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a graphic in the Delaware game on ESPN that kind of ran through all of SDSU's goals, and one of the goals was to be COVID free, and that's because it was in the in the mindset of protect your teammate. You know, give your teammate a chance to to go out and, and do what they want to do. And so, if you have everybody buying in now, the one main thing is SDSU kept winning. You know, if yep. you're if you're uh, USD and the season went south and you got COVID at the end, it's probably because you weren't as disappointed. And you can go down the list and, and find other teams that have had the same thing. It's not a surprise that the top of the league was the you know, winning teams in the league were the ones that wanted to play at the end, mm-hmm. and the losing teams were the ones that didn't. And and you know that might be a situation where yeah, they're going to go to downtown Vermilion or downtown uh, you Young, know Macomb or Youngstown. Uh, you know, where, yeah, we, we don't care. Uh, this season's not going anywhere. SDSU's had a lot to play for um, in this last couple months, and especially, you know, from NDSU on. I think they saw an opportunity, and rightfully so. And that's just so funny. I, you know, again, like, COVID's obviously not a funny situation or at all, but, right. you know, all these FCS programs were like, yo, we we're committed to this spring season, and then you just saw some drop out, like flies and stuff, you know, I, whether the, the commitment was fully there or not, or they were taking this as seriously as other programs, obviously like SDSU, that seems to not be the case. Now, this game on Saturday – uh, Delaware for you know got a couple first downs on their first drive. Had to punt. SDSU goes three and out. Could have uh, could have been an interception there by Gronowski. The linebacker kind of drops back on third down. Can't quite make the play. Delaware drives down the field and it had that similar flow of the Southern Illinois game where Southern Illinois goes on this lengthy what seventeen play ten minute drive and they get stuffed at the goal line. Delaware, kind of the same situation. They're driving down the field, and then their quarterback, unfortunately, gets hurt. Uh, I think there should have been a fumble on that play, but a lengthy drive. Delaware can only get a field goal, and SDSU capitalized on the very next drive with a touchdown. It just felt like that sequence right there uh, was a the, the turning point in the game for SDSU to like, okay, we're going to take control of this game, take advantage uh, that was the sense I got. What was the sense you had? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think as the game wore on, um, Delaware had a few long drives. They hit, I have the numbers in front of me. That drive you were talking about, 15 plays, 54 yards. They had uh, one before halftime, 12 plays, 43 yards, six and a half minutes. 
and then the one in the third quarter, kind of the drive to nowhere, mm-hmm. uh, was it was 18 plays, 68 yards. So you had uh, 43 plays, it looks like, or something in that territory. You used up, you know, uh, eight minutes, you know, 14 and a half. You used 23 minutes of game time. You got no points out of that because you had a blocked field goal. You had, a, or you got three points: a field goal, a blocked field goal, and a turnover on downs. Um, and for whatever reason, SDC was just really good at this. Uh, they've had, uh, in the playoffs, they've had seven uh, teams have driven into the red zone seven times against them. They've given up, I think, two scores at all. That's fantastic. Or two, or two touchdowns, I should say. Um, yeah, two touchdowns on seven trips to the red zone. For the season, they've let teams inside the, the 20, 25 times, given up just 11 touchdowns. They view giving up a field goal as a win, and when, mm-hmm. when uh, a team like Delaware or Southern Illinois expend so much capital on offense to you know drive down there you got to finish with a touchdown yeah. and, and even if you think you're kind of tiring out SCSU defense SCSU plays 10 to 12 defensive linemen they're rotating guys in and out mm-hmm. uh, that that wearing a certain group of, of guys down doesn't really apply so much with SCSU because they do a good job of rotating a lot of guys in and they all play pretty well you know mm-hmm. and that gives gives you such a big opportunity to, to make something happen on defense and you get that key third down stop SCSU hasn't been necessarily amazing on third down uh third downs on defense in the playoffs but they've gotten the stops when they needed them to end drives and force field goals and you know that at one point in the game on Saturday the time of possession was like Delaware 32 minutes SDSU 13 plus and the score was 30 to 3 I mean it's just yeah. It's just it's remarkable, and in the second half there wasn't much there. It's just you know SDSU just needs to escape and get healthy. I mean I look at this defensive line and the way they manhandle Delaware's offensive line, and looking ahead now to Sunday, you know, we were sitting at Cubby's and watching the James Madison Sam Houston State game, and it's like uh, okay, you you don't really know what the better matchup is for SDSU. Because I don't like, I'm scared of SMSU's offense uh, or Sam Houston State. Not it's not Southwest Minnesota State. Sam Houston State. Uh, I'm not scared of SMSU by any stretch. But Sam Houston. <laughs> if, 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 it, if it was uh, Marsh, Sam, uh, you know, SMSU and SCSU, they better not be going all the way to Frisco to play. Right. You know, given that they're only an hour apart. Yes, so. exactly. That would be uh, that would be quite ridiculous. Uh, but. I look at, you know, Sam Houston State was down 27 to 10. And, like, in the span of seven minutes of game time, they scored four touchdowns. Uh, Part of that was some poor play by JMU, uh, a couple of turnovers in there. But it's just that ability of Sam Houston State to explode in the point department there and putting up points on the board in bunches. That's what scares me the most about them. But I think SDSU can handle them like defense with their offense against Sam Houston State's defense. So I really don't know. It, it seems like it's a very even matchup, so to speak, in, in terms of it's the offenses and almost the key is going to be which defense is going to step up. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the game will be decided um, when SDSU has the ball, honestly. I think SDSU, um, you know, can SDSU run the ball on Sam Houston State? If they do, that opens up everything else. Um, you know, it seems like SDSU is kind of anticipating man-to-man coverage on defense. Uh, Sam Houston quite frequently plays five defensive backs, so in theory you should be able to run the ball against that because you're you're going to have you know four four linemen, two linebackers, or three linemen, three linebackers. Uh, but they do do a good job of, of defending against the run. One of the better teams in the country on that, and NDSU had a hard time running on them. And we know NDSU traditionally is a good running team. That being said, 
SDSU has a terrific offensive line this year, and uh, they are really blowing teams off the ball. Delaware had a good defense, came from a good conference, mm-hmm. and SDSU blew them away. So um, I think SDSU will have an ability to run. Um, SDSU in the playoffs has done a particularly good job of throwing to the running backs, throwing to the tight ends. Um, I think there's going to be some chances there. You know, Those will be one-on-one scenarios. Um, and I like the chance of getting a pass into Pierre Strong or Isaiah Davis's hands yep. and see what happens, you know. And, and same thing, they got three really good tight ends at all. Uh, you know, basically, I think they have like six uh, catches from the tight ends in the – or maybe it was 12 catches in six games, and they've had nine catches in three games in the playoffs. So uh, the tight ends are becoming a bigger part of the uh, picture, you know, in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things. And uh, – you know, I think when you flip things around and, and SGSU's defense is on the field, uh, they just need to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Uh, make sure that drives do not end with touchdowns, and whatever you got to do to make that happen will be the key. I think SGSU will have some problems um, defensively in the pass game. Yes, uh, Sam Sam Houston is going to complete some passes. Uh, John Stiglmeyer said, "Hey, we can live with a 12-yard pass. We can't have a 12-yard pass turn into a 60-yard touchdown. You know, where you don't tackle and a guy we bust it." Mm-hmm. Sam Houston's going to have some big plays. Uh, they they have a, a bunch of big plays. They've had uh, you know thirty three big plays of thirty yards or more. SCSU's had thirty plays of thirty yards or more. So both teams have the ability to do it. But um, and then I, I think SCSU needs to make the run game as little as little a factor uh, on defense as they can. Sam Houston has a, a quarterback that likes to run, and that was kind of a problem. That's been a problem in the last two games. So yep. they need to contain him. And, and get some sacks and go from there. And and the one other thing I would say on, on SCSU having the ball, San Houston State leads the country in sacks. So that offensive line's got to keep Gronowski upright. They've done a good job of that in the, in the postseason, but this will be a, a big challenge. Yep, it certainly will. And that is one of the, the – just speaking on the SCSU defense, I am concerned about that secondary because they did – uh, I don't know if there would be if you would call it lapses in coverage, but Southern Illinois was able to exploit them a bit. Uh, so that's a concern for me there. Um, and I and, and the containment po- uh, portion that you just mentioned that's big too because yeah, Del- even though they had seven sacks and Reese Winkleman and and crew were in there like in the backfield seemingly on every uh, every snap. You know, Delaware, their quarterback was able to escape a number of times and pick up a few yards, pick up a few first downs. So that is a that is a certainly a key. Would you almost think that they might have a QB spy on Sam Houston State's quarterback here, just to kind of I don't know contain him as much as possible? Yeah, I, I don't think they'll do that every play, but I certainly think they're going to mix that in. Uh, they've they've seen some really good things from. Uh, the middle linebacker Adam Bach. He would seem to be a guy that would fit that that role. Uh, they certainly could have Logan Backus uh, do that as well. I did not realize Logan Backus six foot four, which is very tall for a linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, and he is a I mean a tremendous player. So um, very eager to see uh, how that that works out. I think you mix in the spy, um, you know, and and you do need to keep an eye on the the quarterback. That's just that's just the way it's got to be. And I think you know SDSU did a good job of getting. Has done a good job of getting a rush without having to blitz. You know they'll, they'll blitz a little bit, um, but you know it is it is on the, that front four to box them in and finish the deal with the tackle. And then if the linebackers have to come in when that pocket's sort of collapsing, mm-hmm. you know that's that's one thing. 
Any other thoughts on this game as you're kind of as you're preparing for it, as you're preparing to go down to Frisco, or any other thoughts that you have or keys to the game that you're looking uh, towards, or like an X factor of sorts? Well, you know, the one thing I, I keep coming back to: SDSU has not turned the ball over in the playoffs, and uh, they've had just nine turnovers in nine games, one one per game. You know, Mark Gronowski deserves a lot of credit. I think SDSU's play calling deserves a lot of credit. So mm-hmm. both of the both of these teams plus seven in turnover margin and uh, Sam Houston State, they've had twenty two takeaways. They've thrown uh, ten interceptions for the season. So, you know, there's a you know, and they've only played nine games, I believe. So uh, it's and you got an SGSU defense that's done a good job of taking the ball away, particularly on the interceptions. So I, I wonder if, if there's not a chance for a couple interceptions for SGSU's defense in this game. That would help everything along. I mean, if SGSU plays this whole game and they don't turn the ball over, they're going to win. I just mm-hmm. don't see any way they don't win the game um, if they uh, – I, I shouldn't say that, but I, lo- I really like their chances yeah. uh, if, if they get through this whole game without any turnovers. And the other, the other kind of spot that's becoming clearer to me is – um, SDSU's special teams has gotten better every week. Yep. Um, you know, uh, the kicking game has been good all year from Cole Frown for the most part. Uh, punting, Ben Dinkle's a good punter. Uh, the return game has been big in the last, I think they've had, you know, talking about the big plays, 30 yards or more, I think they've had three or four returns of that length, either kickoffs or punts in the playoffs. So that's, that's a big key. And, you know, Sam Houston's got a terrific, uh, returner in, mm-hmm. uh, was Ezard, and so you just you have to contain him. If you contain him on on in the receiving game as much as you can, and don't let him, I would be surprised. I think SGSU is going to try to punt it out of bounds or kick it to somebody else, pooch it, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, to not to not let him get the ball. Uh, John Sigelmeyer alluded to that in in the uh, the pregame press conferences this week. So I think that's that's an option uh, for sure. Do you want to offer a prediction for the game or no? Well, I keep coming back to uh, let me let me find the number. I think you know uh, Sam Houston. They well, one other thing I would say before I get to the prediction: yeah. Sam Houston giving up 356 yards of offense a game. That's enough for SDSU. If SDSU gets 356, I like their chances as well. I so do uh, that's that's a good spot to be. Um, Sam Houston, I think they average you know 38, 39 points a game. SDSU at 30 points a game. Uh, I think. Both both those teams will be lower than that. I, I'm thinking like 27 to, you know, 20 type thing. Uh, SCSU winning. So um, that's kind of where I come out. I you know, if 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 Sam Houston doesn't get to 30, that's got to be a good sign for SCSU. Uh, but you certainly want that to be more like 21 or 20 or 23 rather than 28. You know. Yep. I looking at you know just the three games in the playoffs. They it's 31 points against Holy Cross, 31 points against Southern Illinois, 33 against Delaware, and in the last uh, I believe it's six and a half quarters, SDSU has outscored their opponents 57 to nine. So if that's kind of the turning point, was that essentially halftime against Southern Illinois? Uh, well, hopefully they can uh, keep uh, the pressure. On and uh, and certainly uh, slow down Sam Houston State though it's going to be tough. Before I the, the, the one thing I would say though is if SCSU scoring thirty one points to me doesn't guarantee they're going to win. No, nope, I, I, mean, I agree with that. It's, it's possible Sam Houston scores forty one and yes. you lose. You know, so yep. um, the defense has to do their part for yep. sure. Yep, and that's why it's like you know over the last nine quarter or six quarters nine points. That's a good sign, and hopefully yep. 
it's a sign of uh, things to come. Before I get you out of here, or, uh, let you go. Uh, NHL playoffs, I believe, are going to start this week. Uh, I think all the teams are in. We just don't know the positioning. Uh, of course, that means you know. Well, we'll if, if you're willing, I'll I'll have you on to to talk NHL playoffs and stuff. But do you have any early thoughts on on the playoffs? It's going to be you know same kind of divisional format, though we have some new divisions this year. Uh, what ex- are you excited about the NHL playoffs this year? Uh, any thoughts on the Wild? What do you have? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested just to see how this does all shake out. Um, I think that. Um, that North division, just because it's basically a new division, you know, something we've never really dealt with. I think that's got uh, some very interesting things, you know, wrapped up in it. You look at the central, the east and the north, the, the divisions that don't have the wild in them. Um, there's a very clear uh, majority, really, in those divisions. Uh, the east division, you know, Penguins and Capitals. Central, the Hurricanes are, you know, an 80-point team. Lightning are third in that division. you got a, mm-hmm. all four to battle in the first round. And then that north division, uh, it's bad after the, the Maple Leafs and the Oilers. So, uh, that you know, the fact that the Oilers and Jets are, are going to play each other probably in the first round, or, or maybe the Oilers play the Canadians, um, you know, that that's going to be a lopsided series. And then you look at that west division, um, you know, we we seem pretty likely that that the Wild will play the Avalanche, but it's uh, the Avalanche have two games left. Golden Knights have just one. Avs, as we t- talk about this, are, are just two games back, so they win both. And the Golden Knights don't win the last game. The Avs could be the one, and the Wild get the Golden Knights, which would be a good matchup for the Wild. We yes. think so. Yep. Um, and and honestly, the Wild have had just as much success. Uh, on the road with the Avalanche as they have at home, so that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Yep, I, I I would much rather play Vegas. I just want to see yeah. them get out of the first round. I want to see a lengthy uh, playoff series, but just go because I I don't want it to be well next week. They're like you know with the playoffs starting this weekend, they're already done in a week. It's like no, no, we need yeah. we need to see them have a little bit of success because of Kirill and, and everything like that. But it's certainly going to be a lot of fun. It's the last year of the playoffs on NBC, so uh, that's something to, to keep an eye on. Not really, but it's just an interesting <laughs> note, I guess. But um, it, enjoy Frisco. Enjoy the game. Go Jacks. And uh, we'll get you on uh, sometime soon here to, to recap it and to, to have a full hockey uh, playoff preview. But I always appreciate the time, my friend. It was great to see you on Saturday. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get to see each other soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Stackham. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic, kind enough to spend some time with us here on the podcast. I always appreciate his time, and he is uh, he's lucky he gets to go to Frisco covering the game, and uh, hopefully the Jackrabbits win. Uh, I, and I, I, I want them to win, but, I, oh, that Sam Houston State's offense was just very, very – Tough. I don't know how that's all going to, to pan out, but we'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, that's going to wrap this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Um, podcast can be found on podcast.com, Facebook, Nathan Stacken, um, on Twitter, at ND Stacken, Travis Krins, at Travis Krins, uh, Marcus Traxler, at Marcus Traxler, uh, the Argus, or the Matt Zimmer, at Argus Matt Z. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. I just uh, very, very nervous about this, but hopefully it's a great showing. Uh, SDSU fans are excited. SDSU fans deserve this. 
uh, the the university. John Stiglmeyer deserves this. I know we talked about you know, coaches and stuff, but hey, he's been there for a very long time, um, and he's gotten the program to where it's at. So, um, holy nutmeg, let's get this done. Uh, let's go. Uh, so we're just gonna wrap this week's edition up. Uh, next week we'll we'll talk. I'm going on vacation in the middle of the week, so we're gonna do, get, try and get stuff early ahead next week so we'll try and get marcus on uh to talk uh to recap and and talk the nhl playoffs we'll talk uh, about uh the nhl playoffs the nba playoffs with travis we'll talk some twins i'm sure in baseball we'll recap the championship game the fcs championship game between south dakota state and sam houston state 1 p.m central time on abc two out east uh noon in the mountains 11 a.m on the on the west coast so uh, abc dave pash andre Ware with the call chris button i believe uh, she's the sideline reporter there so uh great crew glad that dave pash oh dave please call in south dakota state i think you were close a couple of times i think maybe you called south dakota i believe you called the uh the oregon sdsu sweet 16 game a couple of years ago uh sabrina insq against uh south dakota state then so just Make sure you call us South Dakota State, please. We're not San Diego State. We're not South Dakota. We're not South. We're South Dakota State. So we're going to end this podcast with a go big, go blue, go Jacks. Talk to you next week on hopefully a championship winning edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Go big, go blue, go Jacks.